just been going down for the last several years, for God's sake, when the crisis just gets deeper and deeper and closer and closer and the price of gold is going down. How can that happen? It's because we're living in a world that's completely different from what we imagine it to be. There are forces at work, and to my mind, I trace them back to the debt-based monetary system. I think that's the, the fundamental madness that has characterized our our economy, our nation, the world, and sooner or later it's going to bust up. And when it does, we're going back to the reality of gold and silver, and those who have it will do well, and those who don't are going to be in great jeopardy. We're out of time. I want to thank you for your call, Wayne. Um, I want to thank all you folks for listening. I hope some of this program made sense to people where you understand it. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Wayne, Jim from uh, West Virginia, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. But don't worry. Remember, it's Wednesday. It's not Friday, so it's okay to be the 13th. It is about, well, it's almost eight minutes after noon Pacific time. So if all that works out where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. It is toll-free. You can also join us all in the chat room. It is located at our website. AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com You can also contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRNTalk. All right. Here we go. Let's get to some things and stuff. The Supreme Court. This is the headline. Supreme Court, Supreme Court won't, won't force DHS, that's the Department of Homeland Security, to reveal secret plan to cut cell service. So all of you out there, you know, with smartphones and all that stuff that you think, well, that's cool. I'm completely connected. So if anything happens, I can call anybody I want, anytime I want. You better rethink that. You know, and this, just imagine in the 50s or 60s or 70s even, you know, when, oh, what if an emergency happened? Oh, my yeah, and you were out and about. Golly, you were out on your own. Man, you didn't have any way to communicate with anybody except perhaps a payphone. What is American? What what are Americans going to do if one day they're downtown and their cell phone goes off? They can't get cell service. Nobody can get cell service. That's what we're talking about here. Not a little outage based on some kind of emergency that broke the system. No, 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 no. We're talking about some sort of emergency that the federal government doesn't want people communicating about. And so they just shut off America's mobile phone service. What do you think about that? Huh? And what do you think about your bunch of supreme traitors that call themselves justices? The Supreme Court is setting aside a petition from the Electronic Privacy Information Center that demanded the Department of Homeland Security release the U.S. government's secret plan to shutter mobile phone service during disasters. The top court, without comment, these lying pieces of garbage should be dragged out of that court and put on trial for treason. In a time of war, and if found guilty strung up on a lamppost publicly and hung there for a week so all their comrades can see what happened. 
without comment, refused Monday to review a federal appeals court's May ruling that the DHS did not have to divulge the full contents of Standard Operating Procedure 303. That court held that the government could withhold the plan's contents under the Freedom of Information Act if its disclosure would endanger public safety. Now, wait a minute. How exactly is letting people know the plan of how they're going to shut your phone off whenever they decide it's an emergency, how does that endanger the public? Or do they just have to say, oh, it endangers the public? Well, prove it. How? How does that endanger the public? As a matter of fact, you shutting off cell phones in the middle of an emergency endangers the public more than anything does because they're going to panic. You do that, they're going to panic, and you know it, and that's why they're doing it. They got everybody addicted to cell phones. Shoot, you can't even go in a grocery store without these morons sitting there with a phone in their ear asking somebody, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, okay, let me read you the, let me read you the label. Are you kidding me? Really? I see it. I see it every week. I see it. You don't think these people are going to panic when their phones don't work? What are these little uh, teenagers and 20-somethings going to do when they can't text each other anymore? Oh, my gosh. They're just going to, like, they're going to be one of those automatons with their head down, just running into the wall and bouncing off and running into the wall and bouncing off and running into the wall and bouncing off and running into traffic and getting mowed down. The privacy group had demanded the document in 2011 following the shuttering of cell service in the San Francisco Bay Area subway system to quell a protest. Yeah, see, this isn't even an, this isn't a crisis or a national emergency or any kind. Like, they just don't like you protesting, so they're going to shut off your cell phone. The DHS refused to divulge the SOP 303 documents. Standard Operating Procedures SOP, which the appeals court described as unified voluntary process for the orderly shutdown and restoration of wireless services during critical emergencies such as the threat of radioactivated improvised explosive devices. Really? You mean like somebody protesting and calling all their friends to say, hey, come on down here and protest with us? Oh, no. Shut those cell phones off because that was the intent. That's what it got sold to us for. Oh, sure, this is why we have to know how to do this, because it's a unified voluntary process for the orderly shutdown and restoration of wireless services during critical emergencies, such as the threat of radioactivated improvised explosive devices. Really? Are you kidding me? Under the direction of the so-called National Security Telecommunications Advisory Committee, what the, who are these people? Who's on that? 
Who gets to sit on that advisory committee? I don't wonder how much how much do they get paid, or do they not get paid anything? Is it one of those? Oh, we're volunteering, and I just happen to be in this uh, industry, so uh, you know we get to control how things go because, well, we're in the industry. SOP 303 allows uh, for the shuttering of wireless networks within a localized area. Now, we're going to see here in a second, because I have to click the read more thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, we'll see here in a second. Just, uh, uh, uh. Okay. Within a localized area, such as a tunnel or bridge or within an entire metropolitan area. Could you imagine all of a sudden, bang, hey, New York City, nobody's cell phone works. Hey, Los Angeles, nobody's cell phone works. Wow, that'll be fun. Hey, Chicago, nobody's cell phone works, and everybody starts, well, continues to shoot each other. There have been no publicly disclosed instances when SOP 303 has been invoked. But the telecoms have agreed to shutter service when SOP 303 is invoked. Local governments, however, have the power to shutter wireless service regardless of SOP 303. Wow, did you know that? Well, I guess your wireless communications aren't so good after all. Then we have the fear-mongering uh, DHS Chairman Jay Johnson, yeah, he claims tar terrorists could target malls and Disney World. Ooh, let's get everybody scared. How about airports? Oh, wait. You know why I didn't mention airports? Because they've already got their little TSA henchmen at airports. Now he's saying malls and Disney World, because that's the next place they're going to want to put their little henchmen, at malls. You watch, folks. Been saying this for quite a while. You know, first, oh, well, it's just, you know, we got to keep the airplane safe because those dirty, rotten terrorists stole airplanes and flew them into the World Trade Centers, after all. Okay, then they got on Greyhound buses, now they're on Amtrak trains. Folks, every single time we give this stinking government any kind of authority to do anything, they creep into other areas nobody ever agreed was a good idea. Police state America will stoop to any level to profit from the war on terror, even writing books that claim terrorist attacks are imminent. Of course they are. They have them all planned because the terrorists all work for the federal government. Chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, Michael McCall's new novel claims. Terrorists could easily target Disney World, the Academy Awards, and shopping centers like the Mall of America with biological attacks. You know what? Why don't you start telling us some good news? Like, how come we never hear, uh-oh, the terrorists could attack Washington, D.C.? They could biologically attack the Congress of the United States. I think last night would have been a real good time for that. 
But somehow it didn't happen. I wonder why. Oh, yeah, that's right. We go back to the whole the terrorists all work for the federal government. How come they never get targeted? How come it's always malls and innocent people? Why? Why? Because the war is on the people, and it's coming to you from the federal government. Why don't they ever get attacked? How come nobody's blown up the, the Capitol building? How come nobody's assassinated any of these congressmen or senators? How come nobody's ever taken a shot at Obama? Huh? How come nobody's ever offed any of the Supreme Court justices? Huh? How come, how come we don't have dead politicians all over Washington, D.C.? Why? Because the terrorists are them. Everything gets attacked except them. Isn't that a little suspicious to you after all this time since 2001 when the terrorists went crazy? How come they didn't fly those build those airplanes into the Capitol building, into the White House? How come? Oh, is it because if they started saying, oh, we have a real credible, you know, they could easily attack Congress. They could easily attack the White House. They could easily kill all the Supreme Court justices. Gee, maybe they're afraid the American people might stand up and start cheering on the terrorists if that was the case. DHS's latest fear-mongering book is titled, Did You Know DHS Writes Books? Gee, I didn't. Hey, can you say propaganda? Yes, the Ministry of Propaganda, formerly known as DHS. Yeah. Their new book is titled Failures of Imagination. The Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. McCall's book describes a woman using a fan to spread smallpox at Disney World, <laughs> or possibly in a mall. You know, it's just, it's despicable, okay? I, I haven't used that word in a while. Despicable. Failures of Imagination of the Imagination is an appropriate title for this fear-mongering BS. The only people raving about this book are those who worked for the police state and are operating businesses that profit from it. Yeah. One of those people uh, saying, oh, it's just wonderful. Yeah, Michael Hayden, guess who? General, U.S. Air Force, retired, former director of the CIA and NSA. Hayden works for the Chertoff Group. Oh, yeah, we can listen to him. Yeah, and then we have another one just, ooh, this is so wonderful. Michael T. Flynn, Lieutenant General, United States Army, retired, chairman and CEO of Flynn Intel Group. Then we have one of the, uh, you know, cross-dressing regular suspects here, Rudy Giuliani. He's another one who just loves this book. And, of course, you know, he's uh, way into this. And then another one is Richard Clark. 
He's the former National Coordinator for Security Infrastructure Protection and Counterterrorism. Clark is chairman of Good Harbor's Security Risk Management. Yeah, you see, oh yeah, well, th- we love this. We love this. We love this because it makes them profit. They they profit off your fear. Listen, the fact of the matter is there's plenty of things to be afraid of in this world. And there's nothing wrong with fear. I mentioned the other day, you know, it, <laughs> there's, there's so many situations. And, and if you're not afraid, there's something wrong with you, okay? Either you're a complete moron and you're too stupid to be afraid, or you're a psychopath and, and you just can't be afraid. There's plenty to be afraid of. And there's nothing wrong with being afraid. There is something wrong with allowing your fear to dictate your actions. Okay? I pointed out to you that most times the difference between a hero and a coward is a hero, while they're afraid, they nevertheless do whatever is necessary. They 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 drive through their fear and do what's necessary. A coward allows their fear to overcome them. That's the only difference. Everybody's afraid in bad situations who's not insane or stupid. So fine, be afraid, but don't allow it to guide your actions. Hey, these people are real monsters. There really are terrorists out there, and they really are bad guys, and they really do want to kill you and your children. The only difference is they're in Washington, D.C., wearing, you know, $5,000 suits, sucking up money from corporations all around the world when they're supposed to be representing you. Those are the real terrorists, folks. The clowns walking around in their little in their little uh, costumes, calling themselves generals and admirals. These bloated, big, fat pig politicians pretending to be soldiers. They're another group of terrorists. These are the terrorists, folks. These are the people you need to be afraid of, and you should be afraid of them. But don't let your fear of these people back you down. And start making you make stupid decisions like, well, I guess I better do what they say because they're so bad and mean. No, I think maybe we drag them out and chop their heads off because they're so bad and mean and trying to kill us all. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. One, hey folks, you know what? Shut their system down. How hard is this? I'm serious. You get a ticket? And look, a ticket? Really? A traffic ticket? Come on! Are you afraid to go to court over a traffic ticket? There is no better opportunity for American people to stand up in court and find out what's what with our so-called justice system. You get a ticket, you say, hey, not guilty, I want a trial, and I want it now. I do not waive my speedy trial. 
shut them down. If everybody does that, they're going to sit there with their thumbs so far up their butt wondering, what are we going to do? Look at all this money. Look at all this. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because they can't deal with it. You know how many tickets they write every day? They can't deal with it if everybody said, not guilty. Oh, I want my trial, and I want it now. I want it. I do not waive my uh, speedy trial. You realize a speedy trial is a constitutionally protected right? It is a mandate they have. They have to get you or your stinking lying lawyer to waive that. And that's what they do. Lawyers waive that immediately. Right away. It's the first thing they do for you. They waive your right to a speedy trial. And they'll try to tell you, well, uh... That's because we need time to prepare our defense. No, hell no. You know what? They're the ones that got to prove you did something. They're the ones that got to put their stuff in a bag, not you. Make them do it. And make them do it now. I do not waive my speedy trial. I want it within 30 days, pally. Or you got to cut me loose because you violated my constitutionally protected rights. You failed in your mandate. Everybody stand up and do it. You know what? That'd be a great group to start in your town. That's right. Where you just simply, you know what? Everybody wants to do everything. Well, I'm going to start a group. And our group is going to be, let's save the world group. Oh, sure. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> That's a great plan. How are you going to do that? Oh, I don't know. We're just going to do it. This is the problem many groups have. We had it in our group. We called ourselves the 10th Amendment group. Now, you would think that that is pretty specific, and it is kind of specific. We were dealing with states' rights based on the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. But that's still too broad for a little group in a jerkwater town. You got to focus. What is our, what are we going to do in this group? Oh, yeah, well, what we're going to do, we're going to sit around and we're going to complain about the government and we're going to eat pizza. Oh, yay. And we're going to pass out information to each other. Well, wonderful. That doesn't really accomplish much. So start a group and say, our group is going to focus on encouraging people to say, not guilty. And I do not waive my speedy right, uh, my speedy trial rights. Maybe you can expand that if you can learn enough to say, oh yeah, and I demand counsel of my choice. I demand whoever I want to be able to be my counsel and accompany me in court, just like the Supreme Court says I'm allowed to. Yeah. Do you realize what kind of an impact you could have where you live if everybody who got a traffic ticket? Imagine this. If everybody who got a traffic ticket just simply exercised their right to say, not guilty, I want a trial, and I do not waive my speedy trial rights. It's a traffic ticket, folks. Okay? Nothing's going to happen. Oh, you're found guilty. Oh, my gosh. I should have just, you know, big deal. So what? 
Because, folks, if you can be successful and get people where you live to do this, and, and even and you don't have to get everybody to do it. I say everybody, but that's the goal is to get everybody to do it. But you don't have to get everybody to do it. Folks, if 10% of the people who got traffic tickets all said, not guilty, I want a trial, and I do not waive my speedy trial rights. Well, if it was only 10%, what, what they would do is just quietly dismiss all those tickets and uh, you know move on to shear the other sheep. Start cashing checks from the morons that just say, oh, I'm guilty, here's my check, thanks for stopping by. You got 20% to do it. Hey, guess what? They'd have a real problem. Because everybody they dismiss at that point, they start seeing, hey, our revenue is going down. And 20% start doing that, guess what? The word will start getting out that, you know what? If you plead not guilty, they're going to dismiss your case. And you know what? <laughs> the government can complain and whine and do whatever they want, but they don't have a choice. Because if they cannot fulfill the speedy trial requirement, they got to cut you loose. they got to say dismissed. Serious. Oh, that do, what does that do? That's not taking back America. We need to storm the gates. We need to get our guns. We need to march. Well, people have tried that. It doesn't work. They mow you down, send you home in bags, and that's the end of that. And the American public forgets about you after a little while. They don't care about that. Now, if it ends up where we get in a fight and, you know, shoot in war, then we do. But if you want to hurt these people, go for what they care about. Revenue. That's what they care about. It's all about the money, baby, even though it isn't really money. Hurt them there. Hey, you want to get a visit from the government? I'll tell you how to do it. You mess with their money. I have said all kinds of things that you would think that, oh, I've gone all kinds of places and said all kinds of things and been escorted out of all kinds of buildings and no big deal. But I'll tell you what, when I published the book, The Commerce Game Exposed, <laughs> that's when I started getting love letters from the IRS. Oh, yeah. They don't, that's the one thing that they will, they got a problem with. You mess with their revenue. And man, let me tell you, if you're going to take back anything, you're going to have to do it bite by bite. And you better not think your first bite's going to be Washington, D.C., you got to do it where you live. And, you know, it's a pretty lofty idea to figure, oh, let's just replace our local government. Let's get rid of our mayor and our city council. We don't like them. Let's do that. Well, that's a lot of work. I'm not saying you can't do it. You can do it. But that's a lot more work than starting a group and just encouraging everybody to say, not guilty. Oh, and I don't waive my speedy right try, uh, rights, so uh, let's get it on everybody does that you know then when your group goes to one of these meetings like this city council or the county commissioners you can say hi there we're from the blah 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 group and guess what we've been doing yeah we've heard about you we know all about you 
What do you want? Well, then tell them what you want. Maybe you want all the, uh, you know, photo ticket machines ripped out of the ground and taken out of your town. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want some judges replaced. Maybe you want some policies changed. Well, guess what? You've got a lot of leverage right now. When you, pull, when you can pull something like that off, you've got leverage now. Either we get what we want, or, hey, we expand. And more and more and more people around here will all say, not guilty, and I don't waive my speedy trial rights. And soon, you can have zero revenue from traffic tickets. Yeah. That's called leverage. You can get things done with leverage, folks. And it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, we'll get rid of you all. And you don't want to try to use leverage before you actually got it, like just threaten to do something. No, go and do it, and once it gets to be somewhat successful and they notice it, then go and use the leverage. Come on, folks. Do you want to win, really? Then we got to get a little smarter about this. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Never stop rocking till the moon went down. You know it sounds so sweet. I gotta take me eight pen. Rolls out of my feet. You know I had to dance. Started moving my feet. Oh, clapping my hands. But she kept on rocking. Going round and round. Oh, baby. What a crazy sound.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. I guess I should tell you that it's Wednesday, January 13th, 2016, and it's about 1246 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. So if that works out for you, then you can call that number. You can actually go to the chat room anytime, day or night. It's open 24-7, and surprisingly, there's usually somebody in there at all hours of the day and night. It was kind of cool. It's like the, uh, you know, suicide hotline. <laughs> yeah. Although I wouldn't use the chat room for that. You may be disappointed. Anyway, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. You can also contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. ABRN Talk is my screen name. All right. Anyhow, they're, what they're discussing in the chat room, if you want to, you have an opinion on what I said about, you know, hey, just, you get, look, and in this segment, listen, I'm only talking about traffic tickets, moving violations, you know, things like that, stuff where there is absolutely no jail time possible, you know, you're going to pay a fine if you plead guilty anyway. So you might as well plead not guilty, demand a trial, and do not waive your speedy trial rights. If everybody does that, let me tell you something. They'll be writing a lot less tickets. However, you know, I mean... I encourage people, but this is a little more serious because, you know, when you're talking about misdemeanors and felonies especially, you know, there's usually jail time involved, especially if you plead not guilty. So that's got to be up to you. And, you know, to do it yourself, well, you know, it doesn't really do much good. But even yourself, let me give you this, even yourself, okay, you can't waive your speedy trial rights. I have seen people, and this is no group action, there's not millions of other people doing it, just one person did it, refused to plead, said, no, speedy trial, I don't waive that. 30 days, they cut them loose, dropped the charges, didn't have a choice. They couldn't get their case together, folks. If one thing we know, we know that the government moves real slow, okay? Because it's such a bloated behemoth. They have a real problem with speedy trials. As a matter of fact, they've had such a problem with speedy trials here in Oregon that they actually changed it from two weeks to 30 days. Yeah, two weeks used to be considered a speedy trial. Now it's 30 days because they couldn't do it. They could never do it. Anybody anywhere in Oregon that said, I do not waive my speedy right trials, had to be dismissed because they just couldn't do it. 
So they changed the law to 30 days. And they still can't do it most of the time. But there is risk with that. Because what they do is they stack on the charges and they say, hey, we'll give you a plea deal. You'll do a year or two on probation. We'll knock it down to this. Or we'll take you to trial for every single last thing we charge you with. And that's pretty scary. And it's pretty serious. So, you know, you've got to, you, you got to decide what you're going to do with that. But just remember... The more charges they come up with, the more stuff they've got to prove. And if you don't waive your speedy trial rights, they've only got 30 days to get that together, man. And I think that if you're not in if you're in jail, it's 30 days. If you're out of jail, I think it's 90 days. They got to get it together. Oh yeah, they've they've made it longer and longer so they have more and more time, but still they can't do it. And with a misdemeanor or a felony, they got to also get together a jury and stuff. I mean, they got a lot to do. You know, putting on a trial is like putting on a circus, and these guys are not, you know, they're not used to operating like that. You know, circus man, they do, you know, a couple shows a day next Next day, they're in a new city with the tent set up, ready to do new shows. These guys aren't like that. Because, see, if the government was running the circus, you might get two or three shows out of them a year. I'm just saying, folks, there are things you can do. And a traffic ticket, you have very little risk. Oh, you might pay $50 more if they find you guilty, which they won't because you won't even get a trial. You will be dismissed telling you start a group i mean look there's groups around the country trying to educate jurors about jury nullification and the rights of a juror and the power of a juror why not have a group that encourages people come up with a little flyer or something And explain to people, look, you've got really nothing to lose by doing this. Make it clear you're only talking about traffic violations. Because really, if you're talking about misdemeanors or felonies, they may have something to lose. Okay? They could lose their freedom. They could go to jail. People got to carefully figure out what they want to do in those circumstances. But under, uh, you know, a traffic violation, it is the perfect opportunity. And if you do get to go to court, it's a perfect opportunity to pull out your Perry Mason uh, character and go to town with it, man. Get some experience standing in front of a black robe pretending piece of garbage and keep that in mind that, hey, you know what? When he starts talking down to you and starts giving you the, uh, let him remind him who's who in the zoo here. Hey, hey, hey. Curb your tone there, judge. You're talking to one of the people here, one of the sovereigns of this state. You are nothing but a hireling. Let's keep our position straight here and I'm going to want to hear some respect in your voice next time you open that trap of yours. 
Well, one thing about being in court by yourself without an attorney, see, an attorney can be found in contempt. Boom. Judge just doesn't like what he says. You're in contempt. If you're just uh, Joe Blow in there, they've got to warn you before they find you in contempt. Like, you know, the whole... Yeah, you you know, another outburst like that, and I'll find you in contempt. Okay. You heard me. You know, folks, I'm telling you, you know, and I've seen it happen in my own cases, and I've seen it happen with other people, and I've seen it happen both ways. If you go in there, they're like animals. If they smell fear on you, they're going to attack you. And you're going to have a very difficult time. Because they're good at it. But if they don't smell fear on you, it's a different story. And if you can, and, and this, is, this takes a little time to, to get, you know, to make it work. Because I didn't make it work right away, I can tell you that. But... If you can be aggressive without stepping over the line of being warned for contempt or found in contempt or something like that, that's a good place to be because they are uncomfortable in that circumstance because they don't really know what to do. They're used to shearing sheep. A wolf steps into the, uh, you know, to the shearing uh, chute, and, uh, hey, this sheep's got teeth. What's going on here? This sheep's growling at me. Uh, you know, what, what's the deal with this sheep? You know, get this sheep out of here. Serious, folks. I've seen it. People can argue all day long and come up with every reason in the world why things won't work. I've seen it work. I've seen these things work. But, hey, it's just an idea. If you do get roped into getting an attorney, like, uh, you know, say you get a public defender, they're the worst attorneys on the planet. Not that there are any good attorneys, but those are the worst, okay? They're underpaid. They're last in the class. Uh, they got the job because they are the worst, it's a stack deck against you. However, you can utilize a public defender in a positive way for yourself if you need to. Just make it very clear that they are counsel. They are not your attorney. You have not given them power of attorney. They are there to counsel you. They're your water boy. You do what I tell you to do. You've got some advice or something? Let me hear it. I'll decide what we're going to do, though. Because they can be very helpful getting uh, getting records, getting information, talking to witnesses, things of that sort thing. That's what they're there for. You, but you have to direct them. No, buddy, you work for me. You're my counsel. You are. You do not have power of attorney. They'll want to quit. That's fine. You can keep going back to the judge and saying, "Well, fine. Get me another counsel." But they're going to be my counsel. I have a right to counsel, and that's what I'm exercising. 
I don't, you know, I'm not saying that you should get a public defender or anything. I'm just saying if, you know, you find yourself in a situation where you're getting roped into doing this, okay, fine. Just make it clear. Look, control the narrative. It's your life. It's your case. It's your deal. Control the narrative. Stop letting these people run you around like you're some sort of slave. Because if you're going to act like a slave, well, then you might as well be a slave, because you are. They can call you anything they want. They can treat you any way they like. But if you refuse to accept it, you control the narrative. Anyhow, let's see here. Well, now, somebody in the, in the chat room says that a public defender can't quit. Well, no, they can't just say, that's it, I don't like you, I quit. But they can and they do call for a hearing, and they do go before the judge, and they do say, hey, I don't think that I'm the best one to represent this uh, individual, and here's why, and blah, 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 and usually the judge will say, yeah, okay, we'll get somebody else. So, no, they can't just technically quit on you, uh, but they can't go and get the judge to allow them to quit on you. But that's okay. You see what that does? That just delays your trial. And remember, you've already told the court, I am not waiving my speedy trial rights. And this is not my doing. This is yours, a state employee's doing this. Somebody you assigned to me, supposed to be my counsel, is dragging this thing on. Oh, hell no. I want this. Let's boogie, baby. Let's do this. But I can't do it without counsel because it's my right to have counsel. Do you see, folks? Control the narrative. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is financial survival. We've got a full day after that. And as always, thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine. My new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Well, the markets took a dive this afternoon. It looked like they were about to stage uh, and carry on from the rally yesterday, but uh, there was a major sell-off. It started about 2.30. Uh, this afternoon, markets were up over, you know, triple digits this morning, and we're looking at a Dow falling uh, a little down, a little over two uh, percent. But the Nasdaq got hit at three, a little over three and a third percent. The S and P two and a half, and the Dow two point two one percent. We'll get to those numbers. We'll take a little bit better look at them. Let's first go go to the gold market uh, to see what. Um, gold has done today and if i can pull it up here quickly it had a little bit of a reversal not a big one but you know a lot of these drops in the stock markets always happens after the spot market closes at 130 then you'll see the markets come undone and gold never gets a chance to really uh, react in the spot market uh, but gold is up 760 right now at 1095 Silver was up 39. Silver had a nice day, $14.26. Platinum was up 13 at $852. Even palladium had a nice day, up 15 at $487. USDX today, little pressure, not much, 0.05, 0.05 on the dollar at 98.94. Crude oil was up 0.25. At 30.69, and the paper markets today, as I mentioned, the Dow was down 364 points at 2.21%, 16,151. The NASDAQ, 160, almost 3.5%, 4526. The S&P was down 2.5%, down 48 at 18 90. I mean, the S&P is pretty much wiping out uh, uh, all of its uh, gains for the past couple of years. So 
10-year uh, yield, that dropped 2.07%, the yield on the 10-year. Euro didn't move much as the U.S. dollar didn't. Uh, 109 for the euro, up 0.32. Um, Japan and Hong Kong were up big, but the China market that everyone is following had pressure on that overnight. Let me see if I can take a find that here on my. I, was, I think it was like two percent, so not a not a big deal. Two percent in the, the China Shanghai composite was down seventy three points at twenty nine forty nine. So uh, a lot of activity going on in the markets. And uh, all fingers are pointing to oil and China. And we'll talk about those two items during the second and third segment of the program today. But first, we have Wendy Wilson uh, joining us from Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Melody. And hello, Al. Hello, Wendy. I thought we'd talk about how science is going to modify human intelligence. Where did they find any? Well, you know, scientific research from London's Imperial College is stating that, uh, that they are about to discover the mechanism which they think enables um, or determines who is smart and who's, who's not. Uh, so for decades now, science has been telling us, you know, our human IQ is determined by chance through genes plus some external stimuli. Uh, but now science is backpedaling on that. They think um, there's something else uh, that's involved other than just uh, our, what we inherit. So they say that the intelligence of our brain is housed in the cerebral cortex area. That's where your memory, language, perception, and so forth occur. Uh, so uh, anyway, they, they're researching this at the Imperial, Imperial College of London. They've been experimenting with human genes. And what they noticed that there appears to be two networks of genes, which they think influences human intelligence. So, so gone are are the the statements that you know genes influence influence our IQ by seventy five percent. They are saying that there's there's this exact mechanism that can make a person exhibit excessive speed of processing and reasoning, and uh, to hold vast memory and attention, def, attention skills. Uh, so th- they're looking for that switch, Al, Melanie, that, w- that would make everybody kind of like a quasi-human computer brain, you know, that you could have, you know, superhuman intellect. Okay. Uh, so, th- but they're, they're selling this whole research stuff as to help people with brain dysfunction, you know, people with epilepsy and stuff. And it probably might, might help them. But uh, I think the flip side could be even worse. Uh, now, the report uh, that they say in the report, they said the gene networks that they're pinpointing and analyzing, um, they say that influence our human intel- intelligence have to line up in a certain a way for us to have any kind of uh, intelligence at all. So if they scramble that lineup out, you know, uh, things could happen, uh, things that we may never be able to unscramble. Uh, cognitive dysfunctions, like we don't even have any idea. Uh, so my question is, could science, you know, make uh, all these inherited flaws that uh, go away, that mess with human intelligence? Uh, you know, could they actually take an intelligence per- intelligent person and make them less intelligent with uh, flipping around these genes? 
according to Dr. Michael Johnson, he's kind of in charge of the Department of Medicine at the Imperial, Imperial College, and they're researching the genes that are relevant to influencing our, our brain this way. And their te- the team is trying to manipulate and isolate these genes. Uh, so, um, but, you know, this is just a theory right now. They have to actually use, they have to experiment on humans to get it past the animal phase. So what Dr. Johnson... Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If they Uh are preparing to modify people's intelligence... Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Does that mean we modify their intelligence after after they've been born and they're 35 years old or whatever and we give them a pill and and their IQ goes up 15 points? Or is this something, if it's gene modification, does it have to take place... In the womb. Well, they want to do right, both. This... They want to do both, actually. They want to fix people now that have, you know, brain dysfunction, epilepsy, and things like that. Uh, and they also want to nip other stuff in the bud during the, you know, I guess this, uh, you know, embryo stage, if you will. Um, but what Dr. Johnson and his team did is they took samples of human brain matter from patients that were undergoing neurosurgery, neurosurgery for epilepsy. And they compared those samples and to genetic DNA from highly intelligent, healthy people. And they were looking also at those that had neurological disorders, and they were looking for a comparison. So they had brain matter from people with autism and other disabilities. And then the computers were mapping the gene network from all these samples, and they found that there's a match in this one area. There's like this overlay in the brain uh, where you can have healthy brain uh, intellect, and then you can have cognitive impaired uh, individuals just by how these genes line up. And they labeled these genes M1 and M3. So according to Dr. Johnson, who's in charge of all this, he says the human intelligence trait entails uh, a large group of genes working together and they have to line up in just the right order. Sort of like a football team lining up properly to do a scrimmage, okay? Uh, So research was published on this in the Journal of Nature Neuroscience. Uh, so they want to, they want to, um, what we're talking about here, basically, uh, uh, Melody and Al, is gene, not gene therapy, but gene regulation, okay? Uh, and they're using it through the field of epigenetics, uh, and they're trying to secure the right to be able to influence human brain intelligence, um, and how far they're along they're going to get with this is anybody's guess. So this now, mechanism... Wait a second. Wait. When you say they're trying to influence, they're they're trying to capture the right to modify the intelligence. Are are you? Does this touch on any of the idea that they want to patent certain genes that would have to do with our intelligence? I think they want to patent the the technique. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the whole process because what they do is they've noticed that these genes you can adjust them with the DNA, because the DNA produces a protein, and it's called transcription factor. So when they mess with the protein, what happens, it's like flipping a switch, and the, D- and the cell doesn't produce the protein anymore, and the protein is the marching orders for, uh, you know, performance on a cellular level. So, um, you know, it can, they can change uh, cellular function just by um, nixing the protein production in the DNA cell. So, Does this have anything to do with Alzheimer's, for example, or is that a different phenomena? I don't know if they're going to apply this for Alzheimer's. They, they didn't mention it. They were talking about autism, learning disabilities, uh, epilepsy, and those kind of things. Now, you know, fixing it, you know. Um, and I, there's this whole other section I, I want to get to before we run out of time, which kind of pieces this all together for you. Um, 
So, uh, for instance, regarding how far they're going with this is the Buck Institute of Research on Aging at the University of Washington. They've identified 238 genes responsible for aging, and their theory is that they remove these genes by switching them off. Uh, they could, in theory, increase longevity by 60%. Crazy, huh? Well, it's kind of interesting. It depends on, you know, if you're going to be, you're going to live to be 140 or something like that. Uh, is your body going to still look like it did when you were 30? I don't <laughs> know. It look like I don't it, know. Or will it look like 140, in which case, I don't know. I, I may not I be know. that interested in it. Well, I mean, I, I mean, if they're going to sell the, 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 the process, you know, for people who want to live longer, they're going to have to nail all that detail down, aren't they? Uh, new so. research. Yeah, new research from Massachusetts Institute, MIT, uh, they, they said that light influences our genes. They're, they're working with light uh, to switch off and on genes. So at MIT, they found that they can actually ex uh, mess with a gene expression by shining a light on the cell. This concept, actually, Al, Melanie, was uh, dramatized in the movie Men in Black, where there was a quick flash of light, like a strobe light, if you will, that made you uh, removed all your short-term memory, you know. So um, they, they are they are looking at chemical alterations in gene proteins and with regards to all your brain function, your learning, your memory, and uh, they all this was uh, published in the Journal of Nature. Uh, so they want to they want to actually create a DNA binding protein, Al that will function as the transcription activator for the cell for the purpose of stringing these uh, genes and DNA uh, sequences together. So it's quite possible that in the next few decades, science may be able to offer, you know, couples wanting to start a family the option to genetically alter or custom design their offspring. How about that? Interesting idea. I mean, it's not the mm -hmm. first time we've heard it, but you have to wonder. Right. You know. Well, um, here's another thing in Australia, South Wales, University of New South Wales, they have gene regulation going on there. They're messing with the red blood cells that carry oxygen. They want to increase the oxygen flow to help people with anemia and other disorders like sickle cell anemia, things like that. Uh, the Australians are calling this gene editing because they can cut out parts of a gene and splice in other parts of a gene to repair it. So they're saying that you know, if, if you inherited a faulty gene, they can repair it for you. And all their research was in the Journal, uh, journal of Nature Communications. So you can check that out. And before I leave, i got to get this in. Uh, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton, he's the author, author of the Biology and Belief or, and Spontaneous Evolution books. He says that we have the power over our gene regulations right now. We can turn things on and off if we want. So he says the new biology is moving uh, you from victimhood into mastery over your own health, according to him. So he says you can influence the genes and the proteins and all these things through diet, stress reduction, emotions, lack of light, excessive light. He says all these, all these things regulate gene expression. So he says depending on what you want to accomplish, you have that power right now. Uh, so if you inherited a gene genetic flaw, he says you can modify it yourself. Very cool. Well, if that's the case, uh, though, Al, all this medicine uh, stuff is irrelevant if we can do it ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it raises some interesting questions. 
What if they give me gene modification to do something to my IQ, and then I turn around and I can actually reverse by an act of will? Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that bothers me that I just don't understand, I can understand that if you can take a sperm, an ovum, if you can modify the gene within the sperm, within the ovum, even the first egg, okay, I get that, and it translates through the whole body. But if they give me a shot or a pill, and it modifies the genes, for example, in the tip of my little finger. How does it go on to modify all the rest of the genes in my body? How does this, how does this happen? It's something well, I, that I don't understand. But, well, I guess genes line up in certain sequences, and so that's why they're looking at specific strands and, and combinations <laughs> and how they communicate together because all these DNA cells communicate with each other. So. That's what they're looking at. They're, they don't want to cut off something prematurely, so they're looking at how they're communicating before they actually do any splicing or editing. Very cool Even stuff, that, though. how do you splice and edit the genes in all of your cells at the same time? Well, I think the I'm, gene expression part is, you know, uh, they, they give it like a, a protein marching order. It, it determines its action, and so I guess it, it could have a domino effect. I am not the expert on this. I'm just reporting. No, I understand. It's just strange. I know. It, it is just strange. It is strange. You can modify genes, all the genes in your body, and every one of your cells are going to be modified? That is just bizarre, and it strikes me as dangerous besides that. I mean, oh, this I think is it's, uh, I think a brave it's, new world. I think it's ill-advised. I really do. But I'm just telling you what they're doing. And I think, you know, you, you, you get good nutrition in and you use God's medicine herbs, he says here, for the power of man. I, I believe that. And I think, you know, you're going to sidestep a lot of problems just by cleansing and immune boosting. That's it. I mean, it's simple. It's not rocket science. Well, the problem with that is there's not that much money to be made doing it that way. If we can get well, some I know. Here, on the other hand, we can clean up. Why don't you give us some contact information, Wendy, where we can find okay. out how to get more sure. beneficial? Yeah, today food. today we have our we have a one day twenty percent off sale, so they can call in and say I want the uh, one day twenty percent off. So the number to call at Apothecary Herbs is eight six six two two nine three six six three eight six six two two nine three six six three, or they can visit the website thepowerherbs.com. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Wendy. Very interesting. Look forward to talking to you next week. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com, 866-229-3663. We're going to take a break for some commercials. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. count high, half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate. You can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery. The secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver. Call Apothecary Herbs to ask about the prostate kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate. Educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect, cleanse, and restore your prostate gland. 
full apothecary herbs for the prostate kit and successfully reduce swelling, inflammation, dissolve stones, and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the prostate kit and empower yourself. Toll free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adams here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival and programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? Well, I'd like to remind the listeners we have the two packages. Uh, we're getting down a, very li- a little limited at these prices. The AU $5 Liberty Gold Piece, 21-ounce American Silver Eagles for $700. I repriced that today with the higher prices than both gold and silver. And uh, basically, you're saving $45. So it's a tremendous special for the AU $5 Liberty Gold Piece and 20 Silver Eagles at $700. And for the BU Swiss Franc and 20 Silver Eagles, what you have there is $600 for that package. This is the last day I'm going to run this package based on these prices, unless something, you know, unless gold goes back and we can still honor them. but uh, uh, And for you late-night listeners and for those who listen in the morning, just give us a call and leave a message, and we'll make sure that we set aside 
a package or two for you. 1-800-375-4188. And make sure you visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. And uh, there's a lot of things to talk about, and we do have a caller. We have Joe from Arkansas. Let's uh, visit with him first. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Melody. Yeah, I just wanted to add something to what Wendy Wilson was saying, and that is if anyone is seriously interested in increasing their intelligence by simple do-it-yourself free things that you can do yourself, get a book called The Way Forward is Back by Joe Alexander. That's me. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And that book has a very simple do-it-yourself program, uh, which, has, which contains the most effective things, the most effective program anybody has figured out by which you can increase your intelligence by simple do-it-yourself things. You know, Joe, we do need to have you on the program one of these days so you can explain your book and tell us all about it. I know you sent me an email and uh, things just kind of got uh, uh, sidetracked, but, and you never you failed to call and uh, send me another email. So uh, we need to get you scheduled, Joe. Really? Well, that would be really fun if you'd like to do that. No, I emailed you once, and since I didn't hear for, from you, I figured you weren't interested. But if you would like to have me on and talk about that book, hey, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. We'll get. We'll have to get you scheduled. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, all right Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Um. All right. What's the next melody? Um. You know, yesterday RBS came out the Royal Bank of Scotland, and they told their all their clients, uh, all their investors, is to make sure they sell everything. And um, I had a, a good friend. You know, I've known her for a long time. She listens to the program. A client, and over the years, uh, we become friends. And she called and left a message last night. And I, I think there was someone else on the program who might have, on another program, who might have misunderstood and said that the Royal Bank of Scotland was closing. Well, I don't think the Royal Bank of Scotland is closing, but they did tell their uh, clients uh, to sell everything. As uh, uh, we're certainly going to, it's going to be a, a cataclysmic year. And I had wanted to talk about this yesterday, but we got a little sidetracked. And I think it's important, particularly after we see a uh, almost a 400-point drop, of course, in, in the Dow, and certainly the uh, S&P is losing all its gains for the past couple of years and, and the pressure that we've seen on the NASDAQ. So, um, Well, the article is from the Telegraph, the English publication. Mm-hmm. And the Royal Bank of Scotland warns that major stock markets could call, could fall by a fifth, <laughs> and oil may plummet to sixteen bucks a barrel. Well, when they say the stock markets could fall by a fifth, I'm saying, oh, really? That's not scary at all. That's not cataclysmic. <laughs> no, that isn't cataclysmic. That's nothing. All right. If that's all you're concerned about, there's no cataclysm in our near in our foreseeable future. I think they're understating what may be the risk right here, but their advice is sell everything except high-quality bonds. Well, my question to them is, where do you find high-quality bonds? Right? I think virtually all of the bonds are at least vulnerable to to significant decline in value and which which bonds are they talking about are high quality? Are they talking about U.S. Treasuries? When we have a national debt of close to, what, $18, 19000000000000 trillion? 
Is that high quality? Where do they find high quality bonds? That's not clear to me where they're going to find. And they say, but they go on and they say, and they're, they're quoted here. This is about return of capital, not return on capital. And what they're telling us, they're saying that the, the objective now is to preserve your capital. Don't worry about making money on it. Just protect it. All right. Well, if we're going to be focusing on wealth preservation rather than wealth acquisition, what are we going to look for, Melody? IBM, General Motors, or something tangible like gold and silver? I mean, wealth preservation is what they're recommending. They think you can preserve your wealth with the bonds, and we've warned for years on this program that all of these paper debt instruments are vulnerable. Some of them will succeed, some of them will survive, some of them are going to just flat out disappear. Paper <laughs> is vulnerable. If you want to preserve your wealth, you need something tangible. You know, it, they have to make commissions. So if they sell everything and just have it sitting there in cash and so forth, they don't make any money. So they've got to sell them something. So they're you know, going to slap them in the, the, the typical, you know, uh, uh, trade to bonds as a way of security, as a way of safety. And so, now oh, that's my cell phone. Sorry, folks. But my question is, <laughs> they put them into these bonds that are government-owned and so forth. So now they can blame that if bonds go bad, they can blame the government. If governments default on the bonds, they can blame the government. It's not the... You know, it's not the uh, Royal Bank of, of Scotland. So, but you're right. What kind of bond? Yeah, right. Where do they find these high quality bonds? I think they're all vulnerable in the current market. I don't. I know that some are going to survive and do okay, but I'm going to guess that a majority of all paper products are going to do poorly. And here's another headline that illustrates that point. This is from CNN Money. And it says, Wall Street's, this is the headline, Wall Street's disastrous start to 2016 has caused roughly $1 trillion to vanish from the stock market. All right? This is, <laughs> here we are, <laughs> and the 13th day of the month, this, this article is actually a day old or two days old, <laughs> but they lost a trillion dollars, vanished. All right? People who had said, well, I'm a rich guy. I've got a piece of paper here from the stock market that says I have $100,000 or $200,000 or maybe even a billion dollars in the stock market. See, so I'm rich because I've got a piece of paper. And a trillion has vanished. It hasn't gone from somebody's pocket into somebody else's pocket. It's just gone. All right? Now, how is that going to return? A trillion dollars is one what, a 16th or thereabouts, 6 7% of the, the gross domestic product of this country? $16 trillion vanished? What's the lesson here? How many gold coins have you ever seen that just vanished in a week or 10 days or not overnight or whatever, Mel? Have you ever seen any gold coins just simply vanish and cease to exist? Not at all. That's exactly right. And this is an illustration of what we're talking about when you're saying you folks who are keeping your wealth in the form of paper, are you are taking on additional risk. A trillion dollars vanished from the stock market in, in a week. That 
that has that's just mind boggling. It's like sitting there as, you know, again, oh, I thought I was rich yesterday, and then it turns out, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> All I've got are these pieces of paper that are no longer have significant meaning. If you want to invest in paper, you are exposing yourself to this bizarre vanishing act. Um, hey, hey, Al, I have Rob West calling me on the other Skype line. Yeah. Would you mind if I get him and bring him on the conversation yeah, right if, we can, yeah. if we don't disconnect? Yeah. Oh, you there? Okay. All right. I am now. Well, I guess it didn't work with Rob West. He wanted to call and uh, uh, make reference, and I apologize for any dead air on there. I guess I hope you kept the listeners talking. Out. No, I didn't keep them doing anything. You didn't. Well. No. You put me on hold, Nody. I did. Well, I didn't know how Skype would work. He was calling in on the see, Skype. See what happens? He wanted You're gonna to. Be, we're going to do that. With, what was Melody talk or Wendy talking about? He we're going to do some gene modification. No, not at all. Not at all. But anyway, so continue, Al. My apologies for the interruption. And uh, uh, I had hoped to bring uh, Rob on. And maybe we can talk to him tomorrow uh, about the bond market and so forth. But go ahead, Al. Well, I don't know. We we were talking about an article from CNN Money, and the headline was Wall Street's disastrous start to 2016 has caused roughly $1 trillion to vanish. You can't make gold coins and silver coins vanish, right? You can make paper wealth vanish, vanish. It's never going to be seen again. It's gone into a black hole, and it's gone, and they're not going to recover it. Someone, and not just someone, but some group of people have lost a trillion dollars last week. Right? It's gone. And they're not going to get it back. And they thought they were wealthy and they have less than lost a trillion dollars. So what, uh, you know, I, what, it, it's, it's, there's a lesson here. It illustrates the idea we've been trying to warn people about for a couple of years on this program. Again, put your wealth. And by wealth, I mean the positive results of your work, your effort, your sweat equity. Put your wealth into something tangible that can't vanish. It doesn't mean that you can't suffer some losses, but I guarantee you some losses are not the same as vanishing wealth. The people that had a trillion dollars 
in the market that disappeared this last week, that's a trillion dollars of their work, a trillion dollars work of their effort. It's lifetimes savings for some people. And they put it into paper and they said, ha ha, I'm a rich guy again. I have a piece of paper with somebody's signature on it, a promise to pay. I have accepted a promise to pay rather than a payment. A payment is something tangible you have in your hands. Promise to pay is just a piece of paper. A trillion dollars worth of promises went poof, and they were gone last week. Right? How many are going to disappear this week or next week? And sooner or later, we're going to see that day when multiple trillions disappear. Trillions so far is a little bit unnerving, a little unsettling. We can get through it. What happens when we lose another $2 trillion? Or $3 trillion? At what point in time does this whole thing just collapse? And in an extraordinary disappearing act, we find out that a lot of the paper wealth is gone. I'm guessing, and I've said this, I'll bet you for five years now, that when this goes down, the... I'm guessing that at least 80% of the paper wealth will vanish. It will disappear, and it could be 90%. 10, 20% of the paper wealth, yeah, it'll survive. But most of it's going to just disappear, not transfer from myself or yourself or someone else to some sneaky guy in the banking system or the Rothschilds or the Illuminati or put on your, you know, your tinfoil hat and point to them, whoever they are. And they stole. No, it isn't going to be stolen. It's going to disappear. And why is it going to disappear? Because it was all nothing but an illusion to begin with. Where do we get that trillion dollars that was on the stock market? It was essentially created by the meddling of the Federal Reserve System trying to support the stock market and keep it on a bull run from 2009 through 2014. It was illusory. The gains that the bull market created were created in the last, the most recent bull market, 2009 through 2014, the beginning of 2015. Those gains were illusory. They were imaginary. They were created by the stock market printing pieces of paper and saying, look, we'll, we'll split a bunch of pieces of paper in here, and then the stock market will go up. It was an illusion, and that's how it's vanished. It wasn't really there to begin with. This is another one of those illustrations we talked yesterday about that fable where everybody is complimenting the emperor on his fine clothes, which are invisible. Oh, my gosh, the emperor, you know, he's so fabulously well-dressed. And then some little kid comes in and says, that guy's naked. Well, that's what we're seeing here. Well, a trillion dollars disappeared. That was some of the emperor's fine, invisible clothes. They didn't really exist. Same thing with when, this, when the Federal Reserve juices the market. And that was a term that Richard Fisher, former president of the Dallas uh, um, Federal Reserve Bank, he used in a recent publication just, hmm, I think it was Monday of this week, Maybe it was Friday last week, but in any case, just in the last in the last week, Mr. Fisher came out with this argument, and he said, "Look, he admitted the Fed juiced the market. That was his language. In the end, he admitted, look, he didn't admit, he implied 
that the whole thing is fraudulent, it's phony, it's illusory, and it's what we're talking about. If you want to preserve your wealth, the years that you worked, the effort you put in going to a job that you may not have been all that crazy about, but you worked at it and you saved money and you have you have you saved your wealth. I won't say you saved money, but you saved your wealth. If you saved it the form of a piece of paper, you are in danger. Say so storing your wealth in balloons. Say, look, I've got a big balloon. I'm a wealthy guy. No, you got a little piece of rubber that's been stretched, and if it gets popped, all of a sudden. You know, your wealth is gone. So there's the lesson in the article. CNN money, Wall Street's disastrous start to 2016 has caused roughly $1 trillion to vanish from the stock market. Can't happen with gold. I don't care what the price of gold is, the gold is still there. It can happen with your pieces of paper, so govern yourself accordingly. What else do we think, Melody? Well, I think we need to go to a break. Oh, we do? Yes, we do. I thought we already took a break when we were on hold. What was Wendy talking about the first segment of the program? I don't remember. It's so hard for me to keep track of these things at my age. I, I just, you know. All we'll right, be back. Take a break. We'll be back in a moment on financial survival. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. And got another article here. This was ultimately from Mish Shedlock at uh, Global Trend Analysis. I can't recall the proper name of his of his blog, but Mish Shedlock, some of you recognize the name. And the headline is Europe Fears Bail-Ins. Capital fight intensifies in Italy, France, Spain. Are German banks safe? What's the point of the article? The point is that the, the, the European Union and the European Central Bank have declared that bail-ins are okay in banks. And some countries are, 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 have authorized these. And well, which it, was means a, it was legislation that was passed and went into effect the first of the year, 2016. And what it means is that if the bank gets into financial bind, it can simply take your money, what you regard as your money, out of your bank account in that bank, and it can use it to stay alive, to, to support itself. Instead of getting a bailout from the government or the European Central Bank, they get a bail-in from the depositors in the bank, and their money will vanish. Well, it won't vanish. That's not true. It's not like the stock market we're talking about where $1 trillion simply disappeared last week. Right? That's not what's going to happen. It will be transferred from your account to the banks. That's all. And your account will be bye-bye. There won't be anything left there. Your little digital dollars and cents, your ones and zeros on the hard drive, they're going to be moved to another sector of the hard drive. And you, once again, just like the people invested in the stock market, are going to see, oh, my gosh, my paper wealth and or my digital wealth is all of a sudden gone. I don't have access to it anymore. Well, what's the result? Capital flight. The government, in its infinite wisdom, and the central banks, they said, it's okay to have bail-ins. And the depositors, at least some of them, they said, that's crazy. I'm not going to let the bank take my money. And so what they've done is they're pulling their money out of the banks. And it's as you look at it and you wonder, how could they have been so stupid to tell people that they could have bail-ins and yet be surprised that there's capital flight? The money is going somewhere else. They're trying to find a place, or the currency is going somewhere else. These paper dollars and paper euros and or digital euros, they're moving from the banks that can do bail-ins to other places where bail-ins are not a threat. Which means when the government in Europe and or the central bank in Europe, and they said, the European Central Bank, when they said, okay, bail-ins are cool, they set in motion a tendency in Europeans to take their capital and flee, which will hurt the economy. Right? They did this to, to, to presumably save the banks, but in doing so, they have endangered their own economy. And there's a kind of lesson here that there's some things you just can't get away with. These people that are running the countries, running the national economy, the European economy, the U.S. economy, so on, they think they can pull any stunt that they can imagine, like negative interest rates. And everybody's just going to sit there like a bunch of dummies, dummies and say, well, sure, <laughs> I'll accept negative interest rates on my deposits. And some people will. But people who are a little bit intelligent, and particularly if they have a fairly large amount of money, they're going to say, huh, I'm not going to take it. negative interest rates. I'm getting out of here. 
And when they leave, the loss of their capital, the movement of their capital to banks and other places, maybe in other parts of the world, it's going to hurt the local economy. And the lesson is there's only so many stunts you can pull before the dummies out there, the taxpayers, the consumers, some of them start to wake up and say, wait a second, they just made a trillion dollars disappear in the in this U.S. stock market. And they're threatening to take our money out of the bank account to support the bank. Time to pack. Time to beat feet. Time to get out of here and, and protect our wealth. We're telling you on this program that one of the ways that you may want, if you're interested, if capital flight is something that you're thinking about, do you want to really take your digital dollars out of the bank of the First National Bank of Germany, for example, or the First National Bank of Italy, better example even, assuming there is such a thing. Do you want to take it out of that and move it into the Second National Bank of Spain or Greece or Cyprus or some other country? Or do you want to take your wealth that you have in the form of digits, electronic digits in the First National Bank of Italy, and and move it Instead of fleeing to another country or another bank, why not flee into something tangible like gold or silver? If you're, if you're susceptible to capital flight, one of the places you may want to flee to is something tangible. Gold, silver, blah, blah, blah. Is that true or false, Melody? No, I mean, we've been, you know... <sighs> There's only one place gold is going to go, gold and silver. And ever since they put us on the fiat currency, there's only one direction. And uh, over a period of time, gold has done what needs to be done. And all these people who say gold is going to 700, gold is going to 600, gold is going to 250 has put a fear into people, and people have been shying away from gold. And you can't believe those predictions. Look at other predictions that have been uh, mentioned over the years, and they've all been wrong. Yes, the whole commodity sector has corrected. And, uh, but gold and silver, I believe, are breaking out from the – they're not commodities. Silver more so than, than gold. It became an industrial commodity. But I believe gold, silver will follow gold. Gold, they're money, Al. They're, it, it, well, gold people... is in particular. Silver is sometimes money and sometimes commodity. It's less clear with silver, in my opinion. But gold, monetary metal. Absolutely. And, and silver will follow gold. And, and the predictions that I see, you know, Al, people get away from the fundamentals. Fundamentals are boring. They're not sexy. They're not exciting. They're boring. You know, and then when you get the big drops in the stock market, you get all these analysts say, hey, the RBS come out and say, sell, sell, sell everything, you know, get into bonds. You know, hey, you know, it's, you know that's, that's the safe place to go. And usually bonds will be the first. You'll see the, the first jump into bonds, mainly because it's easier to transfer large sums of money into into bonds and that's what they do and then later on you'll see you know afterwards you'll begin to see people move into gold as they 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 walk away they take a step back and and see what's going on and they'll end up picking up gold at that point in time so it's we've seen it before we're going to see it again and there just isn't anything out there that will preserve your purchasing power like gold and silver 
Royal Bank of Scotland was they were arguing they were coming to a cataclysmic moment and they're saying sell everything but high quality bonds. Well I'm questioning where do you find high quality bonds? You want to sell everything. All right, sell it. But put you know, get yourself some gold, get some silver. If you if the if the object now is the preservation of wealth. Right? Not the vanishing of wealth. Not the disappearance of wealth, the preservation of wealth. It may even be that the price of gold, maybe it'll drop, but wealth will be preserved. It will not disappear. You can't make that statement. It will not vanish. It may be that your bonds are going to vanish. It it certainly has happened that a trillion dollars worth of stock vanished. Right? Last week. Right? Trillion dollars. Bye-bye. And it's not coming back. Huh? You're not going to get that back in any meaningful sense. That's gone, just disappeared. Can't do it with gold. People can argue the gold is going to go to this price or another price. Well, maybe, maybe not. But it's not going to disappear. It will not vanish. There will be wealth in that gold from now until heck freezes over. You can't say that about your paper dead instruments. Speaking of the economy and what, whatever sort of problems we have right now, we have an article that was originally published by the Dollar Vigilante. And the headline is, Nothing is Moving. Baltic Dry Index Crashes as Insiders Warn Commerce Has Come to a Halt. Well, the article, as it turns out, is a little bit over-exaggerated. There are some ships moving, but they pointed to a number of uh, marinetraffic.com, for example. Keeps track of how many ships there are that are at sea right now and where they are and where they're going. And that they read that to indicate that nobody would... There was no movement between Europe and the United States. It had stopped. Well, that wasn't quite true. There's still some movement going on, but it is minimal. The U.S. or excuse me, the uh, the Baltic Dry Index is now at the lowest level in since they started tracking shipping in 1985. It is at the lowest level. It has averaged in the neighborhood of. Oh, on their index, 1,200, 1,300, 1, um, the, the index would run on a, on a monthly, yearly basis, run in the neighborhood. But it's been as high as 2,000. And it started out around oh, maybe 600. It's now down in the neighborhood of 414. Huh? This is just evidence. Look, we have a global recession for sure and depression probably. And insofar as that's true, it's it's incumbent on each of us, do what you can to protect yourself. I don't need to leave your money in the bank if you want to. But it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to disappearing. If the bank goes under, what happens to your deposits? Um, if the FDIC doesn't have enough money to cover all of this, this, this is just another illustration that we are, we're in a serious problem right now. We're not just hitting a little bump on the road. It may be that there's going to be corrections. We don't know where this is going to go, but we are at least in serious jeopardy at the moment. And insofar as that's true, you're going to have to make a choice. Uh, do you want to keep your wealth in paper? And in electronic digits, or do you want to put your wealth into something that will actually be preserved 
It will still be here. If assuming we went into another depression and lasted for five years, if you had your wealth stored in the form of gold, you get to the other end of that depression five years from now, ten years from now. That gold is still going to have value. You cannot say that with absolute certainty about any of your digital or paper investments. You're gambling. It's your wealth, your work, your effort. That's what actually produces. That's how you got, unless you inherited or you stole. That's how you got the money that you, the currency that you put into stocks or bonds or bank deposits. That's that's a reflection of your effort for years. You want to risk it? That's your business. Go ahead and do it. But we're warning you. And we've been warning you for years. And it's a difficult thing to watch how long the system has been able to survive despite the warnings and despite the logic that is at least apparent to me when you look at the system and say, oh, this thing's in big trouble. But it's survived for several more years than I would have thought possible. But it does appear that we are quite possibly on the edge of something serious. Yes, Melody? You know, you're right. No one knows the date and time. They're very powerful, and they have every mechanism at their fingertips to keep the system going, and globally they have it. But it gives you another day, and I'll tell you what. People sit down and they wish this would end. You know, that finally they let the system collapse, let the governments default. But you know what, folks? It's going to be nasty when it yeah, happens. For everybody. So you should thank, you should be thankful that we have every day to prepare and to get ready, not only financially, but also mentally. And uh, it's going to be nasty. People's lives are going to be lost. Um, some, some people are, but you know what else is going to be lost? Time to chat today because we're out of time, Melody. And we we do need to talk about that about how severe and what you what you can what you can expect. It, huh? It's it's you know there will be blood in the streets, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. So all righty, Al. All right, we're out of time, folks. Thank you for listening. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye bye.
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. is money and knowledge is power. That's why you need the Basic Research Library CD from the American Voice Now. This CD contains the Federalist Papers, which are the definitive writings illustrating the intent of the Constitution, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, which read like a crystal ball to everything gone wrong concerning the present-day Constitution. This CD also contains Bovier's Law Dictionary and the Uniform Commercial Code, plus the inaugural speeches of the U.S. Presidents, the U.N. Charter, NAFTA, Hitler's Mein Kampf, the full Communist Manifesto, the Patriot Act 1 and 2, the model anti-bioterrorism law, the Homeland Security Bill, the FBI's Project Medigo, and too much more to mention here. The CD contains over a thousand files. To order your CD, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call us at 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050 for ordering information. Far, O4 has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Welcome to Freedom Call. I'm your host, Bo Greitz. You've got a 1-800 number. This is your program, too. You can call in. I'll be giving you information that I think is important for you, and I'll be giving you some interpretation that you're not going to be able to get from a lot of other talk show hosts because they just simply haven't been in the arena. They haven't got the experience. They may have watched the movie, but uh, you'll get here what uh, is important, and you need always to be armed, heavily armed. That means something to write with, pen and paper, pencil and paper. Whatever. And uh, the first thing that we're going to bring up is this American who was beheaded. And now, uh, I mean, almost all of you have heard about this. We'll review it because there's a, a number of you that may not have. But 
it is important to realize that uh, al-Qaeda has cut the head, severed the head, off of a, a young American who was kind of 26 years old from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, actually from Westchester, but it's a suburb of Philadelphia. And he was sort of an adventurer. He had gone around the world uh, hoping to for world peace, I suppose, make uh, the world a better place. He's got a good education. Uh, his family was informed uh, that he was beheaded by a group that had captured him from al-Qaeda. They proclaimed, God is great, is what they were shouting, as they forced him to the ground, turned him on his side, and then a man standing directly behind him uh, disclosed a very large knife from beneath his robes, and they did uh, cut his throat and behead him. And this was an American. His name was Nick Berg, B-E-R-G. He's 26. He was from Westchester, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. And then after beheading them, they, uh, as if they had just won the Stanley Cup, uh, held his head aloft and proclaimed, uh, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, which in their tongue means God is great, as if God had cut the head from Nick Berg. They said that they did it uh, in retaliation for uh, what now has become worldwide uh, in photographs of Americans lording over and taking really stupid pictures, claiming that, uh, that they were forced to do so by their chain of command. It just proves that uh, it is an oxymoron. There is no uh, intelligence in the military. When you, they say, well, they're military intelligence bosses, and now you're getting people uh, higher in positions of special trust and confidence that say, well, it was the CIA that was telling these young, low-ranking military policemen, army people, that are normally shoe clerks, uh, they are sort of jerks, they uh, work on, as mechanics, they're just doing, in other words, they are normal people. These are not regular Army policemen. Uh, matter of fact, the people here from my great state of Nevada were, uh, are greatly perplexed because they were the first military police unit to go over in the National Guard and they are the ones that kind of reconstructed and got ready this mile square. This is a huge area that you are looking at. This infamous prison of Saddam Hussein that we have made even more infamous uh, just there in the outskirts of Baghdad. And so a lot of the Nevada military police are taking heat because people are saying, is that what you were doing when you were over there? As an intelligence officer... I belong to the uh, former Intelligence Officers Association, the Counterintelligence Intelligence Officers Association. I was the intelligence officer for Delta Force. Uh, I was a commander of special operations, which uh, only purpose was to provide a very uh, high level, the high command 
four-star generals in uh, in Vietnam with uh, up-to-date intelligence from secret zones, which means that I had the mission of capturing prisoners. And I can tell you that uh, not the CIA... Matter of fact, let me give you just a little bit of history, if you don't mind this little vignette. Bear with me. The best intelligence people probably in the history of mankind, as I have read it, were from the German Luftwaffe. Now, what you do is, when you capture a prisoner, you are able, right then, while the prisoner is, is still in shock, suddenly you've got a gun on that person, they know they're going to be a prisoner of war, they're in shock, you can get information from them right there at the capture point. Now, you also search them. And you take every implement, whether it's a battle dress or whether it is pocket litter, you take all of that. Now, you take your prisoner of war and you take him back to a, and turn him over to the military police. All right, now here he is interrogated again. And a history of this interrogation goes with this prisoner. So that gradually, where he was captured, when he was captured, how he was captured, was he just alone or was he part of a, of a, of a battle that occurred and he was wounded? Uh, what did he have on him? What did he say? All of these things are taken into consideration as you ask this prisoner questions and then you record what the prisoner says. Well, if the prisoner is important enough, and this was a, I mean, I went through all of these levels in my special operations command. We captured them. We interrogated them, and uh, we extracted important information from them. And then uh, when we passed them on, uh, they uh, had been pretty well wrung out of information. But you can then use things like uh, truth serum or polygraph machine or even uh, forms of hypnosis to make absolute confirmation. Uh, you will have other prisoners you've captured. You can, you can use this information from them to check the information from one prisoner of war. It's all pretty much a matter of fact. To use loud music, to deprive them of sleep, to make them strip naked, which for a Muslim man... If they even touch a strange woman, they got to wash themselves seven days in dirt. I mean, this is one of the most evil, mean, ornery things you can do is strip a Muslim man naked in front of women, which our military police are. We've got one of this young military policeman that's going to be court-martialed. They've been let out of the Army. I guess that's their Army's way of saying hey, listen, uh, you are uh, too embarrassing for us. So they let them, thump them out of the Army. There's a picture of her with a rope uh, kind of like a dog you know, around the neck of this naked uh, Arab, and she's uh, got her thumb up and smiling, and there's pictures of her hiding, you know, looking behind this pyramid of naked bodies. That, and they, they said that the CIA and the military intelligence said this is what they wanted them to do to get these people ready for interrogation. Let me tell you something. All that does, and these people should know this, or they are stupid. If this is what we have in the CIA and the military intelligence, we're hurting. We need to 
sweep clean and get some of these old guys back. I volunteered to go. Let me go over as an interrogator. At least I have experience of interrogating hundreds of enemy prisoners and have had some success. And I understand the Holy Quran and these Muslims. And they are the easiest people to fight. They're the easiest people to anticipate because they live by the Quran. So if you know the Quran, it's easy to anticipate and to get them to do what you want them to. At any rate, uh, all of this, you you gather together, and uh, all that we're doing with what we have seen in this chicanery is we are confirming to them, yep, it's just like we have always been taught. This is Satan. This is evil. This is mean and ornery and unnecessary. And it, all it does is make them strong. All it does is prepare them to make the journey to where they say heaven is with uh, buxomy, doe-eyed women, green grass, and cool, babbling brooks. And that's not the gospel according to Poe. That comes right out of the Holy Quran. And the way that the old German Luftwaffe did, they put their arm around you, they took you into the officer's club, they made you feel at home as if they were your friend. In the meantime, you are in a state of shock to the point where you, because they are being kind and understanding to you, you feel obligated to, well, I'll cooperate a little bit. I won't say much. But you see, when you compound what each prisoner says that is treated this way, you now have an encyclopedia of information. Then you can start playing off when you say, well, do you know when you told me uh, this, actually we know from your friend over here that, that that isn't true, that you were here. And suddenly they realize, wow, you know everything. Now, we either have that method, the German Luftwaffe, which was most effective against American airmen during World War II, or you have the Chinese way. The Chinese way is that they hurt you so bad with their cruelty that when they stop hurting you, you feel grateful, as if they're your friend, and you want to reward them, and so you give them information. Now, which are we? Are we like the red Chinese, where we torture and maim until when we stop, they are beholden? Or can we act like human beings, like we're supposed to be from a European culture, a Christian culture, where we have feelings and where we treat people with respect? And even though, and here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you, they did not come over here first and take innocent lives. George Bush Sr. went there in 1991 and ravaged Iraq. And it was for that revenge that 9-11 came. And now we have gone back. And in all of the fighting that you've heard about over there, 
There was 12 militiamen killed. There were 14 that were killed. There was 20 that was killed and no American casualties or whatever. What al-Qaeda is saying is we cut the head off of Nick Byrd because to gain revenge and to make up for the loss of innocent life and for what you're doing to our prisoners. And are they right? Well, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And uh, before we go on with this, what we can expect to see out of uh, this American prisoner of war disgrace, let me give you some of the actual uh, words, because some of you may have known Nick Berg, B-E-R-G, or you might be from Philadelphia, or you might be interesting. He didn't work for the military over there. Uh, Berg was working on his own, and as a matter of fact, uh, U.S. officials uh, even told him, uh, you should uh, go home. But uh, there are many, there are many U.S. personnel that are working for uh, aid development. They're working for the international, they're working for the United Nations, they're working for international peace uh, groups. And Berg was one of these people. He wasn't on the payroll uh, providing security, or he wasn't part of the prison staff or anything like this. He is even said to support uh, the war uh, and the Bush administration. But what they did, there were five men. They were dressed in headscarves and black ski masks, and they had him in an orange jumpsuit, similar to the prison uniform uh, worn by or sometimes, I guess, until they strip them naked, uh, worn by the, uh, the Muslim prisoners. And he says, quote, My name is Nick Berg. My father's name is Michael. My mother's name is Suzanne. And then the man in the chair says, which is Nick Berg, I have a brother, David, and, and Sarah. I live in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, then you see them. And there's, it's actually thought that there is a period of time here, because the video sort of cuts. But uh, they, you see them. Uh, they, uh, Berg is sitting on the floor. He is pushed over by uh, some men, and then uh, he is decapitated. While they yell, God is great. Now, he went to uh, Cornell University. He went to Drexel University. He went to the University of Pennsylvania. He even went to the University of Oklahoma. I don't know if he graduated from all those people, but uh, he set up equipment. He was, a, he was an electronics uh, freak. He set up equipment at the Republican National Convention in the year 2000. And while he was at Cornell, he went to Ghana, a very poor area of the world, to teach villagers how to make bricks out of just you know, simple material. His dad said that he returned from Ghana. Uh, he was emaciated because he gave away most of his clothes. He said he, he looked at this trip to Iraq like an adventure that he was going to help the Iraqis. And, of course, he, his body uh, was found near a bridge, and his family was informed. 
And they knew about the beheading, but what shocked them more than anything is they didn't realize that it was going to be uh, become world news. And uh, what you're seeing on television today, they don't show it, and God be praised for that. But there is a, uh, a Muslim website, you know, that actually had the tape uh, from these Al Qaeda five. And they say it was under the orders of their leader, and that it is, uh, and well, as a matter of fact, let me just uh, give you the quote that is on the tape from them. The spokesperson for the five says, for the mothers and wives of American soldiers, we tell you that we offered the U.S. administration to exchange this hostage, Berg, for some of the detainees in the Abu Ghraib prison, and they refused. So we tell you that the dignity of the Muslim men and women in Abu Ghraib and others is not redeemed except by blood and souls. You will not receive anything from us but coffins after coffins sought this way. And so that is uh, what's going on. There are seven soldiers right now from the 372nd Military Police Company facing charges. I'll be right back. internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Swiss America's CEO, Craig Smith, says there are four major facts pushing gold prices higher. One, the dropping dollar, reducing our standard of living. Two, trillion dollar debt and deficits, living on borrowed time and money. Three, scandalous Wall Street behavior, fueling a confidence crisis. And number four, terrorist attacks adversely impacting economies and oil prices. Now, I'm no economist, but common sense tells me all this adds up to higher gold prices. Get informed and take action. Call my good friends at Swiss America to understand why gold is such a safe haven at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-BUY-COIN. Ask for your free 2004 Gold Rush Kit for $25 value. That's 1-800-289-2646 or 1-800-BUY-COIN. 
This is Bo Wright, and uh, I'm back with you, giving you interpretations of things that are in the media today that you won't find anywhere else because you don't find uh, people who have been in the arena that generally turn out to be talk show hosts. And uh, it has been uh, either a fate, if you will, or a blessing by Almighty God that uh, I was on the radio for, wow, uh, eight years because a young man who desired to do this as a way to make a living, Tom Donahue, was placed uh, in jail and he ran off. And I promised to, uh, to keep his radio show going. And I was on the Talk America radio for about eight years. And then uh, I, want, I had to write a book called My Brother's Keeper. And uh, I was getting up at 4 o'clock every morning and uh, doing a radio program from 6 to 9. And I'll tell you, I was toast uh, when that was over. You start getting, uh, working your way toward and past 65, and you'll find that... Uh, you have got to start a little bit later in the day if you're going to have your energy levels up to snuff or you've got to take uh, some of this snake oil that, that people offer and, and hope that it's uh, true stuff. At any rate, Pam Stegner got me back on the radio, and I, I was glad to come back because I see America right now reeling from confusion, not knowing, my gosh, which, what is truth? Uh, and, uh, of course, you're not going to hear it from the American media. You're not going to hear it from politicians. Uh, if their mouth is moving, if you see their lips in motion, you know they're lying. Somebody has got to tell America the truth that knows what the truth is. And it's going to be somebody like myself who has trained Mujahideen Afghan freedom fighters when they were fighting the Soviet Union uh, who has been over in Saudi Arabia, who understands this Muslim terrorism, to make sense out of this. I was with my son Michael and daughter Melody yesterday. It was a good day for me. I had to go to the VA, uh, and after that appointment I had lunch with them, and I noticed each one of them had on a mission a 24-karat gold necklace. Now this looks like little bars of gold and little bricks that are hooked together. And every time that we went on a mission behind enemy lines, we always took gold with us. Frank Gary Powers, remember him? I knew him. Uh, his, uh, his, I signed his son's uh, application for George Washington University to get a master's degree. Frank Powers was the guy that crashed uh, in Russia when uh, Eisenhower was president. Well, he carried gold, all the U-2 pilots. Every secret agent that is sent deep behind enemy lines carries gold. How come? Because paper money can be used behind you at certain times uh, when nature calls. You can't eat it. You can't wear it. But gold is always something. That is useful. I, I won't bore you with the times that I have bought myself out of trouble by breaking off. That's why you have these 
look they look like little gold bars hooked together uh, in this thing we wore around our neck that way we we weren't always with it i mean you showered with it everything you did you did with this 24 karat gold necklace i could take that thing off i could bust off pieces and i could buy transportation i could buy uh, getting away from hostile police and military forces, and I have. So what I'm telling you is, in times that are coming right now, please, I don't know if Swiss America, they were the one that, that sponsored Tom Donahue. I listened to a program just preceding this one uh, where Pam Stegner was on, and they were interviewing a man from Swiss America. I want you to call Swiss America it's a toll-free number, 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-B-U-Y-C-O-I-N. I know Craig Smith personally. He starts every day with prayer. I know Craig Smith is a wonderful Christian man. He's the guy that bailed me out when I was arrested in 1998, last day of September, in Connecticut. I'd have been toast if it wasn't for him. I want you to call Swiss America, and they have for you a kit, an information kit on how you can prepare and take advantage of the way the times are right now so that you don't become a victim. Now, I don't know if he has these little gold necklaces, but he has things that you can acquire that are 24-karat gold, or they are silver, things that are worth something. You call him 1-800-289-2646 and you do it today. That's a loving order. Get ready. Alright, now make sure you get ready. I'll be right back in three minutes with News You Can Use. OFOR has brought historic debt levels, volatile financial markets, and now Alan Greenspan is warning of an impending Social Security crisis. As it turns out, our trust fund is more of a slush fund. I say get prepared for more financial uncertainty ahead. To help you, Swiss America has just released a new 21-page research report that explores the problems and solutions of our Social Security mess which, by the way, is a consequence of abandoning the gold standard 70 years ago. This in-depth report covers all of our options, including how to put yourself on a personal gold standard. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Find out what you can do now to overcome social insecurity with trustworthy gold. Call Swiss America now at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or read it online at SwissAmerica.com. American Voice Radio Network has radio's regular guy, Roger Fredenberg. 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. You can listen to Roger on C-Band Satellite at Galaxy 11, Channel 12, Audio 8.10, and on the Internet audio stream at www.americanvoiceradio.net. That's Roger Fredenberg, five days per week, right here on American Voice Radio. 
Grandma used to say, Johnny, eat your greens. She knew something about health that we've mostly forgotten. Most of us get little or no greens daily. Four Spectrum Chlorella gives five times the chlorophyll of any plant on earth for cleansing inside out and 50 times more lutein than spinach for healthy eyes. All eight essential amino acids, over 60% high-grade protein, and numerous vitamins and minerals. The cracked cell wall absorbs toxins, even heavy metals, and flushes them out of your system. Four Spectrum Clean Green Superfood is a whole food concentrate with no negative side effects. 100% plant source dehydrated chlorella, pressed into tablets using no binders, fillers, excipients, colorings, or other additives. One month supply, $35, two months, only $60 postpaid. Read more at Four Spectrum. Spectrum.us. That's number four, Spectrum.us. Call 903-714-7767. That's 903-714-7767. Order today. This is the American Voice Radio Network. Broadcasting live on satellite at Galaxy 7, Transponder 12, Audio 8.1. We're on the internet at AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can hear American Voice Radio 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And just to, you know, I I really did feel good sitting down with Melody and Michael uh, yesterday and noticing uh, their gold uh, necklaces. Every one of them I had worn, I had sweated with that thing. It has my DNA all over it, down in the cracks of every one of those little gold links. 24 karat, it made me feel good. They were wearing something that had meant my survival out in the jungles of Asia and in, in, in Laos and Cambodia, Vietnam, Burma, Indonesia, in Africa, uh, Saudi Arabia, every place, all these places, and they, they had them on, and I felt good that I could give it to them. And you know, I'm not Rockefeller. Remember Rockefeller used to give dimes, gold, silver dimes to children? Maybe you don't remember because if you're not old like I am. Nobody probably ever told you that story. I wasn't trying to duplicate Rockefeller or anything, but I did have an experience. I uh, I took a shot uh, to the head. Uh, I was shot right in the back of the head uh, with an AK-47, a 7.6239 bullet. And it's good to be from Oklahoma and to be a hard-headed Christian because the bullet bounced off of my skull. The surgeons told me that it uh, cracked my head, but there wasn't much leaking out. Uh, they they sewed me up uh, with uh, wire stitches, for crying out loud. They felt like barbed wire. They twisted these, these wire stitches to try to hold my head and scalp together. And, uh, do you know, it was just the next night I was shot down and crashed in a helicopter. I couldn't lay my head back because of these barbed wire stitches in the back of my skull. But when I woke up, I thought I was in heaven. First of all, when you get shot in the back of the head, you figure that's it. I knelt down on the trail, and bullets that are being fired at you are supersonic. 
and they crack, uh, and you can feel them snapping right by, and or feel them tug at your clothes or equipment or snapping right by your ear. And so I thought I was just going to kneel down and die there. And, you know, Judy was asking me the other night, my wife, she said, well, what does it feel like? Did, you know, was your, did your life go before your eyes and all the stuff you, you hear? And I said, you know, I hate to tell you, but it was nothing. It was just matter of fact. I had been shot in the back of the head. I was resolved to the fact that I was uh, dead, and I just knelt down on the trail to die. And when I didn't die, I thought, well, I'm going to crawl over here beside this tree and use this tree as a buffer between the bullets coming my way. And uh, I didn't die. And the next thing you know, I said, because it was just me and a master sergeant named Grisham and three Chinese. Uh, and I said, we better get out of here. And so uh, I did. But when I woke up, I, I thought I was in heaven. I saw this beautiful, angelic face. And as my eyes cleared and my consciousness came back, it was an army nurse. <laughs> she looked like an angel to me. And so I made a promise that any time I saw an angel, that I would uh, reward the angel. And, you know, <laughs> every angel I saw from that point on was a child. And it used to be, I don't have any money now, uh, Frank, uh, our the producer and owner of our, of our station that you're listening to this on, Frank and I were talking before the uh, program, and I, I said, and he, he was saying, you know, Bo, nobody has any money. Uh, he says, I'm offering my, uh, my airtime at just absolute rock-bottom prices, and people are still saying, uh, we just don't have any money. It's just that way, isn't it? I mean, we seem to be making more than we ever did, but the dollar's not worth what it used to be. And it was only, it, it was just before the year Y2K came along. I did have, I had saved, and I had bought uh, silver dollars. And I heard Pam Steger on her program before this one uh, talking about how when she was a little girl, she had a silver dollar. She didn't know the name of it, but there was a, a, a lady with flowing uh, robes that, was, that decorated the front. That's Lady Liberty. And these silver dollars were just awesomely beautiful. Oh, they were so big. They looked so good. Remember? And when I would see these beautiful, when I'd go to a gun show, or if I was at a preparedness show, and some of you can remember, maybe it was your children that I was giving them to, but when I would see an angel, I would call that little person over to me, and I would very secretly say, now you can't tell anybody. This is a secret between us. But I'm going to give you something because I think you're an angel, and I want you to keep it always. And I would give them one of these silver dollars, and they would, sometimes their little hands, of course, weren't big enough to cover it up. But, you know, they would just, they would, like a secret, they'd hold it to them. Their eyes always got bright. And, you know, I even tested these kids a couple times. I would take, like a... $5 bill or a $20 bill, and I would hold it up with the silver dollar and say, 
which one of these would you like? And I'm telling you, kids aren't dumb. <laughs> these little angels, they would just snatch that dollar. I mean, it was like gung fu and take uh, the peanut you know, from take the bean from my hand. It was it was so it's so interesting. I don't have any silver dollars anymore. I gave them all to the angels. But I hope that those little children somewhere still have those silver dollars and they remember that is real money. Now, what is my point? You know, I took as care as many angels as I could, and I gave my children things that were silver and gold so that they would be sort of hedged up around. They've got, they can use it as a hedge when nothing else will work. The silver and gold will work. And so I, I don't have any gold chains anymore. I gave them to all my kids. I went on a lot of missions. I had a lot of chains. I, I gave them all away. It's just my way. I'm not a very good businessman. But I'll get my reward from a higher source, is what I told the FBI when they wanted to give me money up at Ruby Ridge. Anyway, I want you to call Swiss America at 1-800-289-2646. you got no excuse. 1-800-289-2646. It's all free. And just ask them for the kit. And then they've got silver if you don't have a lot of money. And they have gold if you are going to get some money. Uh, see, George Bush said that he was going to reward war fighters. Congress wanted him to do more for veterans. And George Bush Jr. said, uh, well, if I'm going to give anybody, a uh, veteran, money, it's going to be the war fighters. And, you know, I hey, I held my hand up and said, hey, I like that. If you're going to give money to somebody, you know, why give it to the shoe clerks or the, the jerks? Why not give it to the war fighters? So George Bush says, I'm going to give combat compensation pay equal to what the VA awards if a man has got a purple heart, if he has 60% combat-related disability or more. you got to give your blood for this country. you got to be wounded in action. And so that came out, uh, this effective last June, June of 2003. If you know anybody that's got a purple heart, uh, that is 60% or more disabled by uh, that gunfire, then uh, the government's got money. Well, I, I applied. <laughs> here it is, May, and here it is, May 12th, and I haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> so uh, is it real? I don't know. But if I, get, if I get this money, it's supposed to be retroactive back to June 2003. My goodness, it could be worth money, you know, I mean, thousands of dollars, which is a lot of money to me. I'm going to call, just a lot I'm doing you. I'm going to try to convert as much of that as I can so that I will begin to build a little bit of silver and gold again. Now, if I see a little angel, I'll probably give that silver away. <laughs> but uh, do it. Call 1-800-289-2646. Swiss America, and get their free kit. That's what's important. All right, let's go back to what you're seeing on the news, because I want you to know what the truth is. And I'm a guy that can tell it to you. I've been in the arena. Uh, there's a young soldier 
Her name is Lisa Dearman. And this young soldier is featured in some of these pictures and, and videos that uh, they have of the mistreatment of these prisoners over there in Iraq. And like I've told you, you know, it's not really the fault of these little, of these little soldiers. This little gal, Lisa Gearman, says, I was just doing what the military intelligence and the CIA ordered me to do to prepare these Arabs for interrogation. Well, you know something? It's too bad that, Lisa Gearman, we just can't sort of pat her on the head and say, Honey, uh, you shouldn't even have been over here in Iraq in an Army uniform anyway. Go back home to your mama and just try to forget what's happened. It's not your fault. But you know at Nuremberg, they had soldiers, they had military who said, quote, we were just following orders, and it didn't work. We hung them, we shot them, we imprisoned them for life. And so Lisa Gearman, if World War II, you know, it's a damn good thing, the Vietnamese, they won the war, but what if they were, would have been as powerful as America? Do you think Westmoreland and Abrams and a lot of other people would have been arrested and tried and executed for war crimes? Good thing our enemies, <laughs> when, when, when we withdraw with honor, good thing that they don't hold us accountable. I wonder how come the tribunals don't call upon some of our leaders to stand responsible. Anyway, here's what's happened to Lisa Gearman. Two weeks ago, CBS, they were, this is called 60 Minutes 2, they were the very first ones to broadcast pictures of these Iraqi prisoners being abused at Abu Ghari near Baghdad. Now, tonight... Tonight, on 60 Minutes 2, they are going to show video footage that they have gotten uh, that shows uh, this U.S.-run prison in uh, southern Iraq called Camp Buka. Now, we have two. Actually, we have uh, like eight camps over there, and we only have got now photographic evidence from two, Abu Ghari, which you've seen, some of the stills that they have shown. And now tonight on 60 Minutes 2, I don't know, see, what, what is 60 Minutes on? I think 60 Minutes is CBS. But if you watch 60 Minutes 2 tonight, then you're going to see a video, a diary, a video diary that this young soldier uh, maintained. And she comments on there that, you know, that some of them died, and she says, uh, you know, who cares? Well, these are photographs of uh, prisoners that have been sexually harassed, threatened by dogs, uh, piled into pyramids, and unfortunately you've got these grinning American soldiers with thumbs up. Well, the Pentagon has said, and we've heard this uh, from Defense Secretary uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who I'm here to tell you, Rumsfeld ought to be, you know, they say he shouldn't quit because it'll make it look like the Arabs won. He needs to be fired because he had no plan. 
Rumsfeld had nothing. After we seized Baghdad and after we occupied Iraq, what was he thinking of? He wasn't thinking. They had no idea what they were doing. That's why we're so far behind the power curve. We've done everything we can to make the whole world hate us. And we've done everything we can to cause the outrage that I think is going to fuel and motivate Arabs to be more torturous to our prisoners. And I hope that America, just because they do it, doesn't mean that we act like them. All right, anyway, Rumsfeld has already said that uh, there are there's more to come. That's even more shocking. And so uh, CBS has got a home video that shows scenes, uh, and you can hear the comments uh, of this uh, young woman. And here's what she says. I'll tell you before you see it. Maybe you don't watch television. Maybe you blew the damn thing up. She says on the videotape, quote, I hate it here. I want to come home. I want to be a civilian again. You see, these aren't professional military police. This isn't the 82nd Airborne military police, which it probably ought to be. This isn't the 101st Airborne Division military police battalion, which it probably ought to be. These are Americans that you see selling lingerie that are in the National Guard. They go to meetings once a month. And all of a sudden they found out, whoa, we're the ones that President Bush, they're supposed to belong to the governor of the state. But now Bush has ordered them over there. And they're the ones that are responsible. Responsible? I don't think so. I think many me, Bush, and Rumsfeld ought to be uh, held responsible for what's going on. She says, I want to be a civilian again. Says She says that we killed two prisoners today. One got shot in the chest for swinging a pole against our people, and another got shot in the arm. We don't know if the one we shot in the chest is dead yet. In her video, she describes... Uh, Camp Buka as being, quote, this is a sand viper. Wow. You die in about six hours when they come in. We've already had two prisoners die, but, quote, who cares? That's too less for me to worry about. The soldier said about three prisoners broke out of camp every week, but she says... They don't escape from me because they're scared of me. I got in trouble the other day because I was throwing rocks at them. Oh, boy. Land of the free, home of the brave. I'll be right back with you guys. Three minutes. What will you do in an emergency? Are you ready for domestic terrorism? Food is not something you and your family can live without. Be it attacks on our food, nuclear, biological, or an oil stoppage, any way you cut it, your life could be seriously impacted. Get your family ready now. Take control of your life and be prepared with ready reserve foods. 
For 30 years, Ready Reserve Foods have helped people prepare for rough times. Ready Reserve Foods are easy to store, needs no refrigeration, and are easy to transport. Now more than ever, you need Ready Reserve Foods storage program tailored to meet your family's needs. Ready Reserve is the answer to securing your food future. Be self-sufficient and call Ready Reserve Foods right now. Call one 800 453-2202. That's 1-800-453-2202. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified, vitamin E complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. If you want more on this story, uh, then you can always go, of course, to watch uh, CBS 60 Minutes 2 tonight. There is something that I'd like to talk about now in this last segment that is very interesting. You know, I believe in angels. I mean, Angel Gabriel appeared, and, uh, and before Mary... It was Angel Gabriel that came and, and stood uh, to, before Daniel. Uh, there was an entity with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the great fire. Uh, what do they look like? Well, <laughs> for the first time ever, a government has finally uh, certified the photograph of UFOs, and it happens to be our neighbor, the Mexican government. Now, this is what actually happened. This happened in March, but it's just now making its way to the surface. A Mexican Air Force has released video footage of 11 unidentified flying objects that were visible only through an infrared camera. Now, what happened is they had a Mexican jet up there, and the guy was picking up stuff, and the ground people were picking up something on radar. So what happened in the jet fighter, they had an infrared camera, and when they turned it on, the pilot said, whoa, (laughs) they're invisible to the eye, but they were there. They had math. I'm quoting now. They had energy. They were moving about, and there's a 15-minute video to prove it. The Mexican Defense Ministry has, uh, has turned this, uh, this video over now to the media and confirmed that it was shot by a member of their Air Force on March the 5th along the eastern coastal state of Champeche, 
C-A-M-P-E-C-H-E. As the aircraft looked for drug traffickers near the Gulf of Mexico, the pilot yells out, we're not alone, this is so weird. These are his words. You can hear it in the video. The plane's crew had just switched on the infrared camera after picking up objects on radar. They're described as blobs of light that hover in formation, or they dart about, and sometimes they disappeared into a cloud. Now, one of the pilots became rather nervous. I didn't say he was afraid. That he was nervous. You know how the Mexican machismo is. There was, I'm quoting him now, there was a moment when the screens showed they were behind us, to the left and in front of us. It was at that point that I felt a bit tense, <laughs> says Major Magdaleno, M-A-G-D-A-L-E-N-O, Castanon, C-A-S-T-A-N-O-N. This is historic news. <laughs> It is. Again, I'm still quoting. Hundreds of videos of UFOs exist, but none has ever had the backing of the armed forces of any country until now. So it is of interest to see where this goes. Can't see them with the naked eye, but infrared, that means maybe... You guys need to get a hold of some of these night vision goggles and look out there and see what's around. They appeared as, and there's a there's a picture of them. Uh, that is, you know, this video has been released. It shows disc-like circles of light. Well, remember they they also say, you know, that Lucifer can appear as an angel of light, the devil. Well, uh, these were eleven <laughs> that appeared as this of light. There's a good book. Uh, I was flying to Bangladesh. Don't go. I've been there. Too many people. Too much excrement on the ground. Don't go. But uh, my flight landed at, uh, at London Heathrow, and I went in, and here was a book that I couldn't find in America, but it's available now. Timothy Good, G-O-O-D-E, wrote it. It's called Above Top Secret. Above, I looked at the, I said, hey, this sounds like something that I might have lived. So I picked up that book. It's all about UFOs. And, you know, Jimmy Carter reported, President Jimmy Peanut Carter reported a UFO that appeared at his, at his backyard party in Plains, Georgia. But you can get this book now down at any, any bookstore, Timothy Goods Above Top Secret, and it tells it's all these government reports about these things that, of course, our government always denies. And, you know, the defense minister of, of Great Britain says, uh, it's not unidentified flying objects, it's unexplained flying objects, because we know that they're there. Well, now... The Mexican government has seemingly proved it, and the Defense Ministry of Mexico stands behind it. So, anyway, what about it? What about it? It's time for me to leave you with the rest of the day. I'll be back same time, same station, same time. Be heavily armed with something to write with. And you'll be glad that you did. Now, you call Swiss America, 1-800-289-2646. Make him one. 
Are you ready for domestic terrorism? Food is not something you and your family can live without. Be it attacks on our food, nuclear, biological, or an oil stoppage, any way you cut it, your life could be seriously impacted. Get your family ready now. Take control of your life and be prepared with Ready Reserve Foods. For 30 years, Ready Reserve Foods have helped people prepare for rough times. Ready Reserve Foods are easy to store, needs no refrigeration, and are easy to transport. Now more than ever, you need Ready Reserve Food Storage Program tailored to meet your family's needs. Ready Reserve is the answer to securing your food future. Be self-sufficient and call Ready Reserve Foods right now. Call one 800 453 2202. That's 1-800-453-2202. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. This is Health Talk. And before I get into more boring stuff about health and well-being and stuff, I thought I would just put in a couple of jokes in the beginning to lighten everybody's mood before it gets really depressing. So this atheist is walking through the woods. And he looks around and kind of says to himself, wow, these these trees are so beautiful and the rivers are so powerful and the animals, they're so beautiful, my goodness. And as he's walking alongside the river, he hears this noise in the bushes behind him. So he looks around and there's a seven-foot grizzly charging him. The guy freaks, so he runs as fast as he can up the path and looks over his shoulder, and he sees that the bear is getting closer. So he looks over his shoulder again, the bear is getting closer. Then the guy trips and falls. And he rolls over to try to pick himself up, but he sees that the bear was right on top of him, 
reaching for him with his paw and ready to do a number with his other paw. And at that instant, the atheist cries out, oh, my God. Well, time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. And all of a sudden, this bright light shines on the guy, and a voice comes out of the sky, and it says, you deny my existence for all these years. Teach others I don't exist and even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Now you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? So the atheist looks directly into the light and says, it would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to treat me like a Christian, but perhaps you can make the bear a Christian. Then the voice booms very well. Well, the light goes out, sounds of the science resumes, and the bear who's standing over him drops his right paw and brings both paws together, bows his head, and said, Lord, bless this food which I'm about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, there's some news clips from the year 2059, which is coming upon us closer than we think. You know, it's about 44 years from now. So anyway, here's the headlines. White minorities still try to have English recognized as the third language. Next one says, baby conceived naturally, scientists are stumped. The next one says, couple petitions the court to reinstate heterosexual marriage. Postal service raises the price of a first class stamp to $17.89 and reduces mail delivery to Wednesdays only. The average weight of Americans dropped to 250 pounds. There was an 85-year, $75.8 billion study that said diet and exercise is the key to weight loss. Okay, so last one, I promise. I know you guys are bored out of your mind already, but you might find this cute. This Jewish couple, married for years. They had the worst sex life ever. Boring, boring like crazy. So the husband and the wife, they go see a therapist. And the therapist says, well, maybe your wife needs some stimulation. He goes, like, what? She says, well, you know, maybe she needs to fantasize. Like, if you get a real young guy, real buff guy, muscular, handsome guy, and have him stand wearing a pair of shorts while you and your wife are engaging, and he waves a towel, maybe your wife will fantasize, and it would turn out really good. So they try it. The young guy is waving the towel. The husband and the wife are on the bed. It is so boring. It's ridiculous. So then the husband gets an idea. 
And he gets up and he says to the young guy, he says, I want you to have sex with my wife. So now the young guy, and he's going to wave the towel. So the young guy and the wife are having sex. The wife is going ballistic, absolutely moaning and groaning and screaming and everything. And the husband looks down. He says, see, schmuck, that's how you wave a towel. Okay. So getting on now to the boring stuff. Um, We know that sugar is considered the devil's food. And we know this because there was this uh, really smart physician who was also an author that exposed the hidden truth about it in his new book called Fat Chance. The guy's name is Dr. Robert Lustig, and his study shows what sugars do to the entire populations around the world. So the book is not a no end the cravings novel or a sugar for dummies information piece. It's a compilation of clinical observations documenting the new war on sugar. So you've got to ask yourself, is sugar competing with tobacco for total victims of health detriments and with a focus on our youth? Consider this. Which gives you diabetes and cancer sooner, childhood obesity, or cigarettes? What's going on in the middle schools and the high schools in our country? Is there proper education about alcohol, cigarettes, cocaine, and GMO high fructose corn syrup? Should junk food even be legal? And are the, are the little kids learning about irradiated refined sugar and the health consequences of daily consumption? No, they're not. The junk food industry green light is always on for pouring toxins and carcinogens into the staple food supply, including all the school cafeterias. It's as if the FDA is allowed to make people sick, but it's just a matter of how badly. And this guy's book, Fat Chance, should be mandatory curriculum for health education, along with a sane diet for an insane world. But we'll get to that later. So, do you always feel hungry even after you just ate? Is it possible that your appetite runs on cycles based on a hormonal mechanism related to stress? So listen to the doctor. What he's saying is that cortisol increases the caloric intake of comfort foods. And when those levels are high while you're sleeping, it interferes with the restfulness. So... Yeah, 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 every person is different. But we may start asking about how much junk science can interfere with getting proper amounts of deep sleep, one of the most important aspects of being healthy. Now, is your brain stuck on a binary system that determines if, when, and how hungry you become? 
Are you feeling like burning energy right now or storing some? What fix do you need from your food? And is food a dangerous drug? Or are you feeding your organs nutrients? So savage hunger comes from biochemistry that drives certain behaviors. And some people get very angry when they're just moderately hungry, even violent. So an addiction to sugar, an MSG, can drive people to get into fights, break into stores, steal, and even hurt people that are in their way. And there's this perfect case in point. There's this woman, we call her a zombie, who needs chicken McNuggets so badly that she resorts to violence at the drive-thru at McDonald's Golden Arches. This is, you know, the Golden Arches of junk science, basically. So, in our fad diets, sugar weight comes back hauntingly for most people who go on fast-track diets for a couple of months. The weight comes roaring back. Why? Because sugar causes diseases, not just obesity. And the big food industry, they don't want anyone to understand this. So this book is like a crusade. In, in announcing the war, the revolution, like Paul Revere did, you know, and there's, if you go to YouTube, and you try to find Sugar the Bitter Truth, you might be able to watch something that have a minimum of 5 million people have watched already about sweet revenge. So the doctor's message is mainly that obesity is the result of a broken food system rather than gluttony or laziness. It's not about willpower anymore because the big food companies have had so many people hooked on sugar that it's like heroin or cocaine. So before the New York Times asked if sugar was toxic, before Michael Bloomberg tried to ban large sodas in New York City, before people started calling sugar the new tobacco, a University of California, San Francisco endocrinologist, Robert Lustig, stood in front of a crowd of extension students and told them that the increase in obesity over the last 30 years is the result of one thing, increased amounts of sugar in our diet. And the guy's lecture which was a combination of anger and dry science, went on to become a surprise viral hit. And like I said, it went on YouTube, but it went on in 2009, and it's been viewed over 5 million times. So the question is, are you slowly killing yourself? Can you say no to junk science and say hello to organic living? And if you can, do it now. Turn the tables on the whole processed food industry now.
and check out the Fat Chance. There's a cookbook over there called the Fat Chance Cookbook. I haven't viewed it, but I hear it's good. And uh, you might want to go to that YouTube again and look up uh, Sugar, the Bitter Truth. And, of course, the guy's book, Fat Chance, might help talk about sugar. So one of the problems that we have that is an endless problem And according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the genetic engineering of U.S. corn and beets and soy has increased 65% in 2006 to a shocking 90% in 2013. So the question is, why do so many countries around the world outright reject GMOs when America is forcing them down the throats of the general population without so much as a label for the victims. If the word victim sounds drastic, maybe it's time to consider just what it is humans are consuming on a daily basis and how it shows up in hundreds of thousands of food items and ingredients sold in just about every store. So think about this. What if confusion was for sale? Would you buy some? Most bees that touch down on pesticides end up unable to locate the honeycomb and they die. So could the GMOs be the culprit of most Alzheimer's and Parkinson's? You see, your food may be able to withstand heavy doses of herbicides and pesticides, but can you? I mean, your cells could be mutating as you hear this right now, but there's a way to repair them. First, you got to turn off your TV set. Then you got to throw away your newspaper because you're not going to find the repair mechanisms there. Then you got to throw away all your commodity crops that are present in 70% of the processed foods found on the grocery store shelves. Next, if you have a smartphone, there's a free app called Fooducate, pronounced like Educate. Fooducate, okay? Um, and you can use that when you go into a store to scan the barcodes of all the products to find out instantly if they're GMO. And there's a great tool on the battlefield of the food war. Um, It seems that Monsanto is rather good news, will eliminate another thousand jobs as it expands the cost-cutting plan designed to deal with the falling sales of biotech corn seeds and other financial headwinds. Uh, Actually, they plan to cut 3,600 jobs over the next two years. So we're hoping that maybe by some quirk of fate, they will go bankrupt. Um, Last year in the U.S., 52 labeling bills were proposed in 26 states. 
Only Maine and Connecticut and Oregon survived. <laughs> but they were they went through all kinds of trials and tribulations and now they are enabling they're enabled to label um, Maui uh, in Hawaii the people passed the labeling bill and a federal judge came in and said this see uh, if they lost we never would have heard anything from any alleged judge. But because the bill passed, the federal judge came in and said, oh, no, labeling is a federal issue, not a state issue. Well, if you knew that to begin with, why would you even put it on the ballot? But that's a question for another time. So anyway, now that the the rider in in, in the Congress bill did not pass the Senate, saying that states can label GMOs. Maui is in litigation, but that litigation should end because if they can label, let them label. Now, if Maui can do it, then Oahu can do it, then Kauai can do it, and the Big Island can do it, and the whole state can do it. Then every state in the United States can do it. But you know what? They're going to find a way they're going to find a way to stop it. I mean, what they spend $200 million to avoid labeling a couple of years ago. So anyway, the warning on all GMO foods should say, consume Franken foods at your own risk. And then you have the list of side effects that have already been proven on the animals in the laboratories including cancerous tumors, listed. So frankenfoods are foods that warp the cells because they contain bug and weed killer. Frankenfoods are foods that contain DNA from organisms that would never normally breed or mix with crops, much less be fused into the genes. And frankenfoods grow pesticides in your gut instead of feeding healthy bacteria and turning on your enzymes. Basically, what they do is they're shutting them down with carcinogens. In 2012, and I've spoken about this so many times, there was a French scientist, his name was Giles Eric Seralini, and he found that when GMO corn was fed to rats, it caused not only kidney and liver functions to cease, but cancer tumors. But then, of course, Big Food tried to discredit him and the team's research, but they failed. And Seralini's research is now a part of history and vital information for consumers who want to know the truth about frankenfoods like corn, Soy, U.S. corn, soy, canola, whether it's organic or not, cottonseed, beets, and alfalfa. Biotech wants to hide the truth, and they're heavily vested in the ultimate Ponzi scheme called the Affordable Care Act. (laughs) So we, 
Americans are supposed to invest our hard-earned pay in sick care that prescribes chemicals for chemical food sickness. Basically, is GMO toxic blood. So you can't cut out GMOs unless you stop eating and drinking it. Did you know that the USDA, the FDA, and the EPA do not perform their own independent research on GMOs and that they actually rely on the companies that create it? So do you really, really believe that Monsanto would ever say or report anything bad about the billions of dollars they stand to make every year of selling frankenfoods that go completely unlabeled and invade most staple foods. Guess what? You have a right to know everything that is in your food, no matter what. And this is why you have to read labels, because if you don't read labels, you ain't got no idea. So the question that arises, for the most part, is that the proponents of GMO food say that a GMO label on the food would mislead the people into believing they're unhealthy or unsafe. But why is that? Are they unhealthy? Are they unsafe? The proponents of GMO foods, which are the investors and the manufacturers, have spent millions and millions of dollars to keep them unlabeled in so many states across the U.S. in an effort to disguise food that contains herbicides and insecticides as being the same as all other foods when obviously they are not. And if you oppose the labeling of genetically modified organisms, you are considered anti-science because you don't believe that the same ingredients that kill bugs and kill weeds also kill humans. Also, if you fight in the national food fight, then you're a conspiracy theorist or a health freak, and you're bucking the system. If you're a journalist or you blog about labeling GMOs, you are considered some kind of elitist or fanatic or so they have you believe. So in reality, seriously, all chemicals should be removed from food. But in America, we can't even get them labeled. Most other countries in the world either label GMOs or ban them from import entirely, knowing the health detriment possibilities. It is not rocket science. It is plain common sense. If any bugs immediately die when they consume food, we, the humans, should consider this as a warning. And there are only a few foods that have not been concocted in the laboratory that can kill insects. So stay California and Washington that were fighting to label GMOs 
But the corporation that stands to profit in huge ways from GMOs put up the most money to shut down the labor. And then they say that GMOs are good for you. And then they patent their toxic seeds. But they don't want a label saying it's different on the packages at the stores. So why would an entity want to prove that its products are different with a patent, not brag about it on the label? So you've got the, the food, big food giants like Monsanto and Bayer and DuPont and Dow and Syngenta that have massive agribusinesses based on chemical food. They know that most of the general public has been dumbed down dated water, food, and but still, the organic community grows and knowledge spreads fast. And consumers are waking up to how carcinogens in the crops, cancer, heart disease, infection, DNA damage. Why do you think so many more people in the U.S. have Alzheimer's disease now than a couple of decades ago? before the GMOs became prevalent. A couple of years ago, California lost their GMO labeling vote by a very close margin, only because the big guns, Santa and all their buddies, infused money and crooked tactics during the last few weeks to confuse the voters and skew the polls. Corn, sugar beets, cotton, soybeans, canola are now loaded with herbicides and insecticides for profit. But they're failing to help countries like India and those in Africa have healthy people. Then you got farmers that are committing suicide because of the crop failures in India to the tune of about 300,000 people. That's approaching half a million deaths due to GMO toxic detriment and financial failures and the USA can't label this food? What are we thinking? Or better yet, are we even thinking at all? So watch out for the organic companies that sell out to big food because they might start changing their ingredients. The fact is, cost will not rise due to GMO labeling. One thing that will happen with labels is that disease statistics will decrease for diabetes, cancer, osteoporosis, arthritis, and Parkinson's. And if the price of food goes up, it's because the GMOs are suffocating the soil our animals, and our crops. And if the price of food skyrockets, it's because the government wastes money on unnecessary war while polluting our drinking water with fluoride and our soil with Roundup. So the organic movement is growing fast. And... Help it go from $15 billion a year to $100 billion 
a year by labeling GMOs and eating food that fuels thought, fuels energy, fuels vitality, fuels longevity, and fuels personal freedom. Label GMOs and never, ever, ever eat yourself. So when we talk about getting sick, when we talk about health problems, we talk about all this stuff that's happening to us. Some people believe that regularly smoking the 7,000 chemicals in commercial cigarettes is the quickest way to get cancer in the world. And other people believe that artificial sweeteners, because they taste so sweet, trick the body into ingesting them and those are the Trojan horses of the food industry causing breast cancer and prostate cancer faster than any other food drink or consumable chemical-laced product on the market. And then, of course, we just talked about GMOs containing pesticides that can kill nearly every living thing that consumes them, going from insects, insects to rats to humans. And pesticide is the umbrella name for herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, algicides, and even fertilizers meant to kill pests. That's where the name pesticide came from. So there's really no measurement right now for how many GMOs are in the food, the drinks, or the cigarettes. And the scientists who modify organisms through gene insertion, well, they're ready to promote the corresponding pesticides, no matter whether humans are dying from them or not. So cigarettes, diet soda, GMOs, if you're guilty of consuming all three, understand that your clock is ticking. Most foods that are labeled diet, light, or zero are toxic. They're carcinogenic, and they cause free radicals to warp your good cells, to strangle the mitochondria, and to multiply uncontrollably, uncontrollably. Eventually, cancer cells will find damaged tissue or an organ to suffocate. And this is when most doctors and oncologists in the U.S. first discover cancer after it's fully manifested, and for many, when it's too late. So more than 50% of the people who get cancer die from it. And one-third of all Americans get cancer at some point in life. So who gets it first, and who gets it the worst? Is it the diet soda drinkers, the pesticide-laden GMO food eaters, or the smokers? Back in 1998, the Tobacco Master Settlement Agreement, or the MSA, was entered between the four largest U.S. tobacco companies, including Philip Morris, Brown and Williamson, R.J. Reynolds, and Laura Lart. So the tobacco-related health care costs or detriment were settled or covered, and Big Tobacco agreed to curtail marketing practices by not to market it too much to little kids. 
In addition, they were adding ammonia to the manufacturing process, and they got busted by a whistleblower in court. And this is how crack nicotine was discovered by the general public through a settlement made for marketing restrictions. So what's really in a commercial cigarette? How do you mix ammonia, bleach, and pesticides? Doesn't that create a form of mustard gas? And this is considered a legal form of recreation? <laughs> Look, we are decades into diet soda frenzy and addiction. Nothing has changed. At least one of the evil fake sugars can be found in every popular diet soda across the nation, and they are the Trojan horses of the cancerous conventional food and beverage industry. The sweet taste fools your body into ingesting it, trying to use it, and that is how your cells mutate and cancer begins to take root. So do you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, you have general anxiety, do you have muscle pain for no reason, do you have arthritis flare-ups, do you have ringing in the ears, or daily fatigue, or even worse, fibromyalgia? Try and cut out the artificial sweeteners for one week and see how you feel. Guess what caused most of the Gulf War syndrome? Artificial sweeteners. How? They shipped over diet sodas, right? Diet sodas were on pallets. Diet sodas sat there in the sun for a week before anybody dealt with it. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody starts getting sick and nobody understands why. Did you know that aspartame alone accounts for 75% of all the complaints to the FDA about the side effects from food toxins. And then there's acesulfame potassium, which is more FDA-approved cancer sweetener that is found in a lot of protein shake mixes and sugar-free gums. And it's the kissing cousin of aspartame. Then there was research that revealed that a genetically modified corn approved in Europe for use in food and animal feed and Roundup weed killer used in it can cause increased tumors, premature death, and organ damage at levels previously claimed by the European regulatory authorities to be perfectly safe. The problem was the information was not made public. <laughs> so you want to get in the high occupancy, high occupancy lane for cancer and drive really fast? Go for it, man. It's dangerous, but why would you want to mess with your health and flirt with disaster? So the bottom line is don't eat cancer. Don't drink cancer. Don't smoke cancer. Because the carcinogens can only win the battle if you feed them the necessary fuel, which is more carcinogens. Try to never drink diet soda or drink soda. Or eat GMOs. And if you smoke, if you smoke and you want to try to quit, my recommendation is you go to naturalnews.com 
and you look at the program called 14 and Out. 14 and Out is a program that will get you away from tobacco in 14 days. But that's on you. I don't smoke. I've never smoked tobacco in my whole life, ever. I don't know. I just, because I always had asthma. And every time I was around smoke, I couldn't breathe. So I didn't want to put a cigarette in my mouth. So I was very fortunate for the fact that I had asthma all my life because it prohibited me from smoking. Then I came across sulfur later in my life, which got rid of my asthma in three days. And just between you and me, even though I got rid of my asthma, I knew it was gone. I never, still never picked up a cigarette. So we're talking about smokers, right? So most smokers will eat junk foods nearly every day of their smoking lives because they know that the cigarettes are really destroying most of their healthy living, so why bother to eat right, right? <laughs> so there's 45 million smokers or more in the U.S., and coincidentally, Americans eat about 50 billion hamburgers a year. So go figure. <laughs> Do you know that McDonald's alone sells 75 burgers every second of every day? So why is this relevant? Why? Because fast food, beer, and aspirin are a typical consumption regimen for a lot of smokers who don't sleep well, have sicknesses that last longer than non-smokers, and have that constant hack cough. So no matter what weight a smoker may be weighing in at what, at, while smoking, that weight is likely to skyrocket after coming off a nicotine. So the hourly or bi-hourly stimulant keeps many smokers skinny or at the weight that they were when they started smoking. But there's more health detriment in store for the ex-smoker who doesn't understand the thing about nutrition. First of all, nicotine is a heavily used addictive drug and the leading preventable cause of disease, disability, and death in the United States. 90% of lung cancer cases involve cigarette addiction. So exactly what is nicotine? It is a naturally occurring clear liquid that turns brown when it's burned and smells like tobacco when it's exposed to air. But it has a very complex and very unpredictable effect on the brain and the body. Now, forget for a second about how nicotine makes smokers feel when they smoke it. And let's talk about the long-term feeling that keeps them reeling backwards, losing not only the benefits of healthy living, but the drive and motivation to fuel a progressive lifestyle. It's been known for a long time 
that smokers have higher rates of depression than non-smokers. But research has revealed a deeper link, one of a causal relationship. Depression quite often leads to uncontrollable eating binges and a lack of caring about much at all. So when a smoker quits, they still have a need to feel enthusiastic and without changing what they eat, that enthusiasm may be for convenient junk science addictions like cheap chocolate, fried foods, and plain eating to occupy their time. So if you quit smoking, you can get healthy and you can lose weight or maintain proper weight without medication, without surgery, and without consuming artificial sweeteners which are all very detrimental to holistic health. So what you have to do is you have to do research and start reading articles and books that talks about oxygen-killing cancer cells. Organic vegetables feed your cells oxygen and can make you feel full even when your stomach is only half full. And this is a strategy. Then, true spring water alkalizes an ex-smoker's highly acidic body and brings energy and vitality into the new equation, fueling the innate desire to exercise. That's a strategy. So strategies for obtaining and maintaining optimal health can be really simple. And that leads us to talking about omega-3s, which are healthy fats, and how the B-complex vitamins can balance the central nervous system, which is the key third strategy to never putting on healthy weight after committing, after quitting smoking. Interestingly enough, the University of Southampton in Great Britain found that Organic sulfur contained all the B vitamins, including B12. And when we talk about omega-3s, we talk about healthy fats. I'm not talking about franken-salmon. I'm not talking about polluted shrimp. I'm not talking about mercury-laden tuna fish and crap like that. I'm talking about avocados. I am talking about coconut oil. I am talking about eating nuts and seeds. That's where you get what you need. So the 7,000 chemicals in cigarettes disrupt the central nervous system. What does that do? It creates anxiety, nervousness, and doubt. So nicotine gives you just enough of a kick to make you feel normal for about 20 minutes. And little do most smokers know that when they quit that specific natural foods, vitamins, and supplements will boost the dopamine and the serotonin production and balance the central nervous system. So let me say that again. You get a kick for 20 minutes. But when you quit smoking, 
right? Because they don't know when they quit that specific natural foods and vitamins and supplements will boost the dopamine and serotonin production and balance the central nervous system. And this is what vitamin B complex does. And you can get that through cabbage, and you can get that through organic sulfur crystals. So many nutrients like the B vitamins are critical to proper brain function. And fatty acid deprivation works against the optimal brain power. The brain is composed almost entirely of fatty foods. So why not add one little simple avocado into your daily diet? Why not buy some coconut oil? Why not get some flaxseed oil? They'll replace your salad dressings that you were eating. Rotate your greens. Just add collards and spinach and kale and mustard greens. It's no secret that they work. And if you smoke, become a non-smoker today and never put on a single pound of unwanted, unneeded weight. Seriously. Long-term diet and nutrition choices have an effect on the way we look and feel. And new studies show that nutrition can affect the way we think. So there really is a thing called food for thought. <laughs> you just got to go out there and get it, baby. You know what I mean? But where are we? We're living in America. And we humans are very weak animal that was born insufficient with a body that needs chemical medications, vaccines, meat, and dairy for nutrition. This is what we are led to believe from birth to death. And if you have a health problem later in life that needs to be invasively removed with a knife, and what is left after the surgery may need to be burned away with chemicals to prevent the damage from spreading. This is nothing but lies. We've been told that most disease and disorder is genetic. So there ain't much that you can do to prevent it or heal yourself because your parents, your grandparents, Parents or great-grandparents suffered from the same problem, and unfortunately, you got their genes. I don't know if I'm allowed to say bullshit on this radio show, but that's exactly what it is. Plus, you will soon face depression, if not already, daily, and it will get the best of you unless you take anti-anxiety meds and maybe some antidepressants. And then your attention span is too short. Oh, it's my God. So you're going to need some ADHD meds like your kids are getting. And you know what all that advice is? Pinocchio. <laughs> More lies. So America is the land of the medicated. And without the medical doctors who went to school for eight years to learn how to juggle 
and juggle multiple prescriptions at once, where would we be without their vast knowledge of chemistry that they can't even explain to you when you get prescribed? Where would we be without surgeons to cut out the cancer, a chemically driven disease of the blood? How would we survive? And finally, America, where the drugs advertised on TV are like some commercial out of the movie idiocracy where the people are so stupid that all they do is suck on liquid sugar and watch TV all day. What do you do? The drugs advertised today to help with arthritis, osteoporosis, depression, anxiety, allergies are nothing but an express lane to health destruction. And the rich doctors, they're ready and willing to remove your organs and anything else that costs a small small fortune to pay for the three-story homes and ritzy vacations. Hey, you should trust any doctor who's been to eight years of school and learns about drugs and surgery, right? Wrong. You should believe in second opinions, even if they come from the same theory that the human body is born inept and weak. Wrong. You should examine your eating habits closely. The mentality has been corrupted by blind faith in a system that offers chemical solutions for chemically driven diseases and disorders. And the word genetic is thrown around as if it means hereditary. So people accept sickness as normal. And then they think that you're supposed to be on 20 meds by the time you're 80 years old. And they think it's okay to have your appendix, gallbladder, one lung and one kidney removed just because the doctor tells you you can survive without them. But can you and do you? Maybe you need all of your organs because they all do a specific job and they work together. And maybe you could be holistic and whole if you just ate the right organic foods and superfoods and spring water and herbal, herbal remedies. Put it this way. If you take herbs and tinctures that have worked for healing humans for thousands of years, then you're relying on a long history of proven practice and research. If you take pharmaceuticals and eat processed foods, you're hinging your health on 75 years of political corruption in those industries. Is that your doctor, your advisor? Do you want to be sick? Do you want to live many of your years and days and months and weeks in hospitals and clinics taking GMO medicine and eating GMO food from their cafeteria? I don't. So you got to wake up to who really cares about you and your health. There are websites out there that give you the truth. Seriously. You get information online every day and you discover solutions that have been covered up by the U.S. schemes and the plots to remove them. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. Just be healthy. And if you want, you know, the, the one website that I love, and I've been a fan of of Mike Adams for, I don't know, man, 10, 12, 14 years already, naturalnews.com. And the other website where you can have access to hundreds of health-related articles 
and hundreds of podcasts all dealing with the subject of health is healthtalkhawaii.com. And if you want to find out the truth about the standard American diet, then go online and look up www.asanediet.com and read parts of the book, A Sane Diet for an Insane World. You know, growing up in Newark as a little kid, I was conditioned. I ate the same thing that you guys eat. It's the way it was a way of life. And one day I took a walk on the wild side and everything changed. I lost weight. My energy level went up. Things in my body that were giving me problems disappeared. Of course, now age is a problem and that can't be reversed. The only thing that reverses age is death. And who knows when that's going to be, but I know it's coming. But the point is, no one's going to take responsibility for you. you got to take responsibility for you. And I talk about all the time how the herbivores, the plant-based creatures, have convoluted digestive tracts that are switchback roads. And they're switchback roads because it, it makes it more difficult for a rubber tire to get out, which means you're not supposed to eat rubber tires. And any flesh that you eat is a rubber tire because you can never break it down to mix with your saliva like you can the vegetables because you can't do that to a muscle. So where does it go in the switchback road? It goes to diverticulitis or diverticulotus or whatever diverticular thing is going to come your way. It goes to prostate cancer. It goes to all kinds of problems goes to erectile dysfunction, it goes to strokes, it goes to heart attacks, it clogs your arteries, it restricts your blood flow, it creates enormous amounts of fat in your body, and it makes you put on weight and be lethargic. But the solution, and there is a solution, and it's perfect, organic cell for crystals release oxygen. Oxygen eats away at all the toxins. Plant-based foods Take your body, which is normally acidic from all the acid that has to be created to break down everything that's clogging up in the switchback roads and makes it alkaline, which improves the immune system. Then, if you, if you seek out supplements, if you seek out um, uh, uh, superfoods, you can go crazy. My favorite is the Shakeology Vegan Chocolate. I take it every day. Every single day. It goes into my smoothie. Pretty soon, I'm, I'm running out of one. I used to be a, a distributor for Seal, but then I found out they were kind of corrupt. So I backed out, but now Natural News has a superfood, a very superfood, which I will avail myself to probably in another week or two. And and then, I, of course, I have my bee pollen, which is so fresh, it just melts in your mouth. It, it's one of the only plant foods that is, contains all the B vitamins well. So if you go on a plant-based food, which creates alkalinity in your body, and you take organic sulfur, 
which will remove the fluoride from the water that you're drinking because your water is fluoridated. And plant-based creates alkalinity, like I said, and you add superfoods, you don't get sick because your immune system becomes strong. So change comes slowly, but it has to come. And when you do it, you do it. If you don't do it, then there's nothing I can do. The last chapter in my book is called At the Water Hole. And that means you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I led myself to the water hole, and I not only drank it, but I inhaled it and gobbled it. And I, I, I'm not sorry for making the changes that I made. So I'm hoping that you will at least give it an option. Anyway, um, I think I've rambled on for about an hour. We've got a few minutes left. George Harrison singing my favorite song, My Sweet Lord. And uh, why don't we let him do his thing? And uh, I'll catch you guys all next week. And maybe on Sunday or Monday, after I do my radio show, guys, go back to American Voice Radio and you can hear my show that I do in Honolulu. Until then, till next week, aloha. China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
gentlemen, I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is the American Independence Hour for Tuesday, 12th day of uh, January, year of our Lord, 2016. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm still getting ready for the New Year's Eve party <laughs> for the year 2000. And here we are in 2016 already. You know, it is bizarre. The years begin to pass more like months. I mean, when I was a kid, a year was a real year. <laughs> Nowadays, <laughs> at 70 years old, it's like a real month or maybe a quarter. <laughs> but it's not a year anymore. Our years have been subject to inflation. They don't have the same value, the same I think they've probably reduced, if you check, they don't even have 365 days anymore. They've probably reduced it down to 120. That's how it feels in any case. Uh, I want to remind you, as always, I am a man made in God's image, as per Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, as per the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence. And I am... uh, hosting this program from within the borders of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union styled the United States of America. And we're going to have more on that a little later in the program. Uh, we're going to get into a case from 1870, California court, where they make the court make some very interesting decisions and, uh, and uh, statements and we'll talk about that. And it goes to this idea that, you know, that I'm trying to advance, that I'm man-made in God's image, dodged by my creator with certain unalienable rights, and broadcasting from within the borders of the state of Texas. Turns out there's, some, there's, there's a California Supreme Court justice uh, decision that pretty much justifies what I've been saying here. And we'll get into that later in the program with my co-host, Frank Stephan. Well, Frank, how you doing? Hello, Al. Um, let's start the festivities with item number two on the list of links I sent over to you. I'm just wondering if Hillary, does Hillary have a death wish? The reason I ask, talking about a political death wish, this is from the Washington Times. And it says, the headline is, Clinton demands government funding for illegals attorneys. Tells Obama to stop raids. She wants the government to be compelled to pay for hiring attorneys to represent the children of illegals, all right, who appear in who appear in uh, immigration courts. Now, in the in the document here in the in the uh, newspaper report, we've got a picture of a little girl, probably Mexican. I don't know if I had to guess four years old, something like that, dealing with some sort of a judge. It looks, you know, blah, 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 tug at the heartstrings a little bit and the rest of that sort of thing. But when she talks about children, among other things, she's talking about kids all the way up to age 18. All right? I mean, we've got to have how many kids are coming into this, how many children are coming into this country from Mexico for 14, 15 the, uh, you know, 17 years old. Uh, and she wants to compel the government to provide defense attorneys, essentially, for criminals 
who are here in this country illegally. Do you think he, she's going to win enough votes from the Mexican community, Frank, to uh, offset the amount of votes she's going to rent, she's going to lose uh, due to outrage in the Caucasian community? No. I have no idea how Hillary Clinton could, in any imagination, win the election. I, I mean, even Democrats. I mean, really. I, it's just, you know, she just keeps piling on the negatives. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like every day it's something. Well, Hillary may be indicted for this. Oh, but now, <laughs> hey, she may be indicted for that, too. And, hey, she, we found more emails. She lied yep. to Congress. Oh, she could be in contempt. She could be perjuring herself. She could be. And now, hey, I think you should all pay for uh, immigrants to you know, get lawyers. Uh, I, I don't For care. illegal aliens. Yes. Illegal I mean, aliens. it's not enough that we have to catch them. We have to, on top of which, defend them. Um, one, of the, one of the lessons of this is the only way you're going to, you're only going to deal with this illegal alien problem by building a wall. And the reason I say that is because the illegal aliens kind of have us by the short hairs. We really do have to give them the benefit of uh, procedure, procedural due process when we go to court, when we take them to courts. And it means they can sneak a thousand illegal aliens into this country in the time it takes to prosecute one that you've caught. There is no way. It might not be a thousand. It might only be a hundred, but you get my drift. They run across the border like rabbits. And then we catch them and we have to, oh, what's your name? Why don't you have a social security number? Go through the whole thing. Get a translator. Get an attorney to represent them. By the time it gets done, you're going to spend months trying to get this illegal out of the country. And the cost is going to be substantial. It's going to clog up your courts. It's going to clog up your police. Uh, the, it's going to clog up the jails. It's going to clog up the police department. We can't afford to give them the procedural due process to which everybody at minimum expects in this country. And we can't really afford to do it. And based on that, they can just run into this country. And once they're here, there's nothing we As a practical matter, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, we can get some of them, but the vast majority will continue to... Uh, emigrate into this country, and the only way it can be stopped, build a wall. Keep well, them from getting in here in the first place, and then you don't have to deal with the cost of processing. Well, that is one way, you know, and uh, uh, then put people on the wall to, you know, make sure they don't get over it or under it or whatever else, but I'm more, I'm more really one to, because there'll always be the Hillary Clintons out there that say, well, well, that's in, inhumane. That's not nice. That's you're not treating them nice enough. Their self-esteem will be damaged looking at this wall. They, they'll feel unwanted uh, or whatever. And there's enough idiots in this country that will go along with that. Go, oh, we can't do that. Somebody will feel bad. I think what well, would we, hurt their self-esteem? Yeah, looking at that wall, they'll feel unwanted. Uh -huh. I I honestly believe if you take away the incentives for them being here, they will leave. No more well, free I agree stuff. With that. No more free school. No more free I agree hospital. With that. No more free welfare. I agree. 
No more things printed in Mexican. No, no, no. It's all English. You don't understand it. Get your That's own interpreter. Exactly right. Too bad. You That's know. exactly right. And any That's employer exactly that gets right. caught hiring them, hey, you get one chance. It's a small fine. Next time we seize your whole your whole business and sell it at auction to somebody who won't hire. Necessary. your house. Yeah, whatever. You know. You got it. You got You've got a Mexican maid, an illegal alien for a maid, a gardener, whatever. Fine. We'll just take your house, put it on the monitor. On the market, sell it to the highest bidder, and uh, well, hey, and it, make the funds contribute to the you government. Know, we just call it civil forfeiture because your house has been involved in a crime here. I agree. You know, I, agree. I mean, hey, if it's good enough to take cash out of people's pockets going down the highway, it's yeah. it, you can do it for this too. And if you do that, you don't even have to build a wall. They won't come here anymore, and they'll leave because, <laughs> I mean, if I was a poor Mexican. Living down in Mexico, warm, around people who speak my language and this and that and the other thing. Why am I going to move up here? Well, for the stuff, for the things. You take that away, gee, what do I want to live here? These people don't even like me. I'm not getting anything. It's cold here. I, you know, I'm going home. There shouldn't be any government subsidy for anyone in this country who is not at least a citizen. If you haven't gone through the process, once you've been admitted as a citizen, fine. But the first however many years it takes you to pass the citizenship exams, you're on your own. You're going to have to get a job on your own. You're going to have to support yourself on your own. If you can't do it, make sure you save enough money for a bus ticket back home. But we shouldn't be providing money for just any idiot who can get into this country. No, and that is what we're doing on all different levels. On all I levels, I've, I mean, I've seen reports that they have been encouraging Muslims to come into this country, where they have sometimes received benefits. They've received loans where they can start their own businesses. Yeah, it's, I've seen allegations. I don't know if they're true or not. That some of these people have picked up the 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 equivalent of forty grand as kind of a welcome wagon treat for moving into this country. Well, they had that. Uh... Uh, wet foot, dry foot program for Cubans. They were they were doing just that. You were getting uh, a loan and uh, you know and uh, a, a grant basically. You know the little welcome wagon shows up and you know starts dumping money on you. Can you get forty grand out of the government? No, I don't think so. I haven't asked. No, I don't think but, I can either. <laughs> I haven't asked, but I, I I pretty much know the answer would be no. Uh-huh. I don't think I can either. And it's really I mean, hurting the my self-esteem. You, you and I, in theory, have to pay in on Social Security, which we might get back, <laughs> and Maybe. we might not. Or some of it. Or you got a shot at Well, it could happen. It could happen. But illegals coming into the country, we have to give them special. We have to treat them better than the people who live here. And where do we get the money that we give the illegals? Mm. From the legals. From the people who live here. They can live at a lower standard of living, so the illegals can live at a higher standard of living. Huh? Yeah, it's insane. Raise the taxes on the people who live in this country in order to support people who don't. And you really, you really got to look at the whole situation. And, and you know, there's a lot of speculations as to why, uh, but there is something going on because there's no way the government would encourage this. And it's not just happening. We're not being you know, invaded for no reason. We have incur- Our government has encouraged these people to do this and rewarded them when they do. So how can you, you know, be surprised that, well, gee, 
these poor Mexicans are coming here. Uh, I just don't get it. Well, maybe it's because we're paying them, we're giving them health care, we're educating them, we're giving them jobs if they want one, and if they don't, we're just giving them money yeah, and a free don't. place to live and all that. I mean, you, well, you wouldn't go there? I mean, you're living in a tin shack in Mexico and somebody offers you all that, you're not going to take it? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. You know. The whole thing is insane. You know why some people think the government has encouraged the illegals to come into this country and immigrants in general? Uh, because they start out with no no debts on their credit yep, rating. Yep, 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 yep. They think that they will, that the illegals and the lawful immigrants, they want them in here because they think they'll be able to borrow money and create debt instruments, which the government can use as collateral, uh, or the banks can use as collateral, or the government can use as collateral to make more loans. I I believe that's certainly, I I really do believe that's at least part of it. I think it is, too. And it goes to living in a debt-based monetary system. Yeah, because Americans, you know, years ago we saw that, oh, Americans are pretty much, you know, at their debt limit. You know, everybody's yeah. borrowed yeah. as much as they can borrow, and uh, yeah. hmm, and suspiciously, right around that time is when this immigration thing exploded. So you know, there's there's something to be said for that, and it it's certainly, uh, if not the main driving reason, I think it's certainly on the list of reasons. You know, I mean, destroying Western civilization might be there, too. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You know, I, I don't really... This nation will be destroyed, much like England is being destroyed there. So they have had so many immigrants over there, it looks like a meeting of the United Nations. And the it, nationality of England is, is beginning to disappear. Of English is beginning to disappear. And it really is the, the globalists I know. that are doing this. And that, that I really, know that. you know, because... Why? I, I, well... Because you can't have any nationalistic tendencies if you're going to be globalists. I mean, because and yeah, the white right. and the Western <clears throat> white world <clears throat> is more nationalistic than anywhere else because national- because we got something that the rest of the world wants, right? And nationalism has a certain amount of pride and accomplishment that the rest of the world really doesn't experience at the same level. So they're hey, sure. You know, let's be one all happy family because everybody else well, has more than me. One miserable family is what they really want. Well, one, yeah. We're going to all live more or less like they do in Syria or out in Mexico or some other place. We're going to live more or less in poverty. And when we get into, we can get into a fight with any of our neighbors because they're a different race and a different culture. And we won't have time to fight with the New World Order located in Belgium or whatever it picks to be its, its headquarters. We'll be so busy fighting amongst ourselves that we won't be able to resist the new world order. Yep. So we do so much killing and dying that uh, we go, oh, gosh, I wish somebody would come and help. And, oh, here they come riding in on the white horse with their blue hat and, uh, you know, to help everybody. This is ultimately, this whole immigration scheme, in, in my opinion, is at least largely and maybe primarily a divide-and-conquer scheme. Kind of is. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of... Uh, uh, what, what do you say, uh, complicated when they when they have so many different... Because, you know, you go, okay, fine. So some of these political, you know, globalists want that, and they're doing this because of that, and I, I get that. But, geez, why are these other people going along with this? Well, you look at the bankers. Well, why are they going along with it? Well, because they get all these immigrants in here, 
writing commercial paper. Oh, look at all the debt. I mean, assets now we have. And, oh, boy, we can use this and uh, write more loans and get even richer. And I, I'm getting a bonus this year. You know, and it's just everybody, they have found something for everybody to go along with this. You know, Except for not everybody, but they've found a bunch of special interest groups. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats want the illegals in here because they know they'll vote Democrat. The Republicans want them in here because they'll work at third world wages in Republican-owned factories mm-hmm. and businesses. And the people on Main Street are just trying to get by. They don't want them in here. No. But they don't count because they don't give the government any money or political support to speak of. They're the ones that are intended to pull the plow rather than, say, giddy up and whoa. Yeah, and, the you know, the bottom line, at the end of the day, what they're really shooting for, what globalism really is, is the good old days of the Dark Ages, where, yeah. you know, you've got the, oh, the nobleman <clears throat> with his knights, which are his enforcers up on the hill, and everybody else is a serf on the land, and uh, you're yep. just there to support, you know, the uh, parasite that calls himself a noble. And you're also, you know, one of the dangerous things about this immigration, I, I've talked to people who think that uh, the, you should be free to go anywhere you want in the world, right, without restriction. Just should be open to travel from anyone, anytime, place. Well, what do you think is going to happen anytime a city, a state, a county, a nation, they develop a system of values and a work ethic where all of a sudden they become prosperous. The poor of the world will swarm in like a, like a flock, like a, I can't think of the proper term, but a, a, a mass of locusts. What do they call a bunch of locusts when they're flying around? A bunch of locusts? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen, I've never been anywhere where that's happened. So. Well, that's how it's coming in. And the poor will... They'll come in and they will just strip that prosperous country bare. They'll eat everything that's in there. It'll be like locusts. They'll strip everything to the ground. And when it's as impoverished as the country they came from, then they'll start looking around for another prosperous country. And the net result is the poor will inherit the world. They may not produce anything for it, but they will inherit the world just by flocking from one place to another. Wherever the money's thickest, that's where the the poor of the world are going to go, and they will destroy that nation. They will destroy that city, that state, that nation, whatever. They'll take it down. And when it's gone, then they'll go move someplace else and leave the original inhabitants as impoverished as as the poor were in the first place. Something's got to be done to keep the poor in their own place. As cruel as that sounds, and in the process of doing so, make the Make the people who are living in poverty understand who their enemies really are and what has to be done. They're going to have to educate themselves for one thing, and they may have to destroy the people that are running their country and running it like their own little fiefdom. They may have to kill their kings and queens and whoever else is running that section of the earth and exploiting it for their for the special interests of a few rather than for uh, leaving it open for everybody. Um, it's you know, not a pleasant thing to say. It's not probably even a Christian thing to say. But you can't let these poor people just swarm into any part of the earth, any place they want to go, and just say, you don't need you don't need a passport, you don't need permission, just come on down. 
take a job, rob a place, rape some women, do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. You're poor. You can't come on in here. We'll welcome you. Yeah, well, that's... You have to have enough respect for yourself, for your community, for your state, your nation, your culture, your system of values. you got to recognize this is something worth preserving, and it won't be preserved if you bring in millions of people who have a different culture, have no intention of assimilating, and nevertheless expect you to support them. Well, and, and those people, even though you know they're poor, and I may not you know, embrace their culture. Their culture also deserves to survive, and it won't if they if they let them do that. They need to stay where they are, and if somebody wants to help them, they need to go to where they are to help them. And you know, yeah, if they're probably co- you know, true. And we want to help these people. Fly on down and help them. Yeah, and and, right? and but, you want to support them? Take the money out of your pocket. But you're also going to have to. If don't you, make you don't don't contribute my money to them. Contribute your money to. I'll them. help who I want to help. You go help who you want to help. But when you go help people, the the thing you also have to keep in mind is the fact you know they're not assimilating because they don't want to. They don't want to give up their culture. They don't need to. No, they don't, they don't need, need to. to. We're bending over backwards to feed them, clothe them. Come on up here and be a Mexican. You don't have to learn English. The thing is, if you go to somebody's where they live. And, and where they have their culture, any help you give them, you're going to have to figure out how to do it within the confines of their culture. If their culture doesn't support the whole get up at 7 a.m., go to work, get ahead, you know, build a house, make a family, whatever, you know, our culture is basically, if theirs isn't, then you're not helping them by going there saying, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to help you. You're all going to get up at 7 a.m. You're going to go to this job, and this is what you're going to do because they don't want to do that. That's not their culture, and it's not going to work for them. If you want to help somebody, you got to help them within the confines of their own culture. If you can't do that, then just leave them alone. But, uh, you know, they do. And when you say leave them alone, one of the things you're ultimately saying, leave them to die. If you can't make it on your own, then maybe you need to take a knife to your wrist and be gone. Well, you know, the thing is... Now, I'm exaggerating what I just said there, but I'm trying to make a point. The world is becoming more and more difficult to survive in. In large measure, because we a lot of people running around who can't support themselves. One way or another, they've got to be able to support themselves, not find another not find another host that they can predate off of. Well, look at the look at the look at the Arab uh, immigrants or refugees or whatever the heck they are. They're coming here because look, you know what? Libya was doing a, just a fine job of supporting itself and supporting. They're the doing a great job. They we blew the them into the ground. Country on the African continent. Yeah, and then we blew them into rubble. Yeah. Teach them to get. Teach them to 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 start promoting a pan African currency backed by gold how do you like that now you're back in the stone age you know iraq hey before we showed up yeah okay maybe saddam hussein was a mean man and he did you know so's our government though the thing is they were supporting themselves they had a viable society Mm -hmm. now they're all coming here because (laughs) rubble again syria rubble yemen rubble i mean we've turned every place that was supporting themselves into rubble yeah. You know, and Mexico, okay, so we're 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 halfway around the world. Why? Because well, we tell everybody, well, because they have dictators that are mean to their people, and we have to help them. Well, 
How about looking at Mexico? I mean, you know, Mexico's run by drug cartels and a corrupt government that allows this to happen, and we do nothing. It's basically run by the rich from the way I understand it. And uh, I don't know, Mexican people don't mind. They don't. They don't do anything about it. They could if they wanted to. Well, they seem to come here. They like. They like to get out if they can. Yeah, I, I think what we are is we're the, you know, like the pressure relief valve on a pressure cooker. If Mexico was forced to absorb all the people that it, that it creates, by having more children, if they had to absorb that loan, uh, that burden on their own, they'd have burst into flame. 20, 30 years ago. They need a place, as long as they've got an outlet where the excess can leave, they'd rather leave than fight. Well, then Mexico can continue being a happy kingdom for the oligarchy, and the government can run it and hold it together, and everybody can take bribes and be corrupt. But if we ever close that border down, you can expect, I would expect Mexico to erupt into flames within five years. If, if, if Trump builds that wall, between the United States and Mexico. Any of you folk who are thinking about living in Mexico or retiring down there, probably not a good idea. I'd reconsider. <laughs> yeah, I really would, but yeah. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, too, Mexico has a lot of resources. It's a big country. They have a lot of resources, and they are not using it at all for anybody's benefit, except for, like you say, a couple of families at the top of yeah. the Mexican, uh, you know, command chain down there, whatever they call it. And that's it. But it's not as though this country, you know, Mexico could not do well. I mean, they have oil, which these days doesn't mean like it used to, but hey, it's still some income. They have farmland, so, they have coasts, they have, you know, they got a lot of coastlines. They, uh, you know, they, and they, if they weren't so corrupt and nasty and, 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 you know, overtaken by crime, they could be one of the hot spots for tourism around the world, from around the world. Well, they have been. They have been for many years. I mean, it was a big part of their income. I can remember going down there in the 60s when I first went down there. A friend of mine and I hitchhiked down into Mexico. Right? And I can remember being in, in Mexico City. Oh, God. We were trying to get a cab. And, and it was a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. It was really a beautiful place at that time. And we were trying to get a cab to take us someplace, and he wanted to charge us. I don't remember what. If I took a number and I said it was 100 pesos, we knew we'd been there long enough. We knew it was a 20-peso ride. And he's trying to charge us 100 pesos, and we're trying to argue with him and blah, blah, blah. And some guy comes up to the cab window from outside. And, I mean, he's dressed sharp. He's Mexican. He's got an expensive suit on. He says, what seems to be the problem here? <laughs> and we said, well, we're just trying to get him to give us a cab ride to so-and-so. And he wants 100 pesos. And we think it's only worth 20. <laughs> and he talks to the cab driver. <laughs> and he said, wah, 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 wah. And the cab driver, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're on our way. Now, this guy was a representative of the government to make sure that the tourists <laughs> didn't get beat up by greedy tag, by greedy cab drivers and whoever. Well, that's not the case today. No, not exactly. And and that's the thing. You know, they, re- they really could do well. They could do well. Mexico could do well. I agree. You know, not just... Plus, they have factories. They work cheaper. 
you know, uh, of course, their standard of living. They could have done as well as, as China. Yeah, at least. China had a big boom. You have to really ask yourself, it really is a good question. Why did China? They're on the, China's on the ropes right now, it looks like. But they've had a good run. Yeah, they had a good 10, 15, maybe 20 years of increase, increase, increase. How come that happened to China and didn't happen to Mexico? Yeah. Because China, uh, well, if they catch you doing corruption, they kill you there. Yeah, I know. In make Mexico, you, you get to be president. You know? Yeah. The most corrupt one gets to be president. You know, that's yeah, it. Right. You know, so I, I think it's, well, it comes down to a cultural thing. You know, yeah, the Chinese will lie to each other, but they lie to each other about, oh, yeah, everything's great. Everything's good. Everybody's happy. We have, uh, you know, balance and, uh, you know, happiness. And harmony. Good. Yes, harmony. harmony. That's what we have. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Mexico doesn't, you know, have that. They don't have this, you know, same culture. I don't, I don't agree with China. No, they don't have the same culture. I think they were, I think they were more, more, I think the reason China got the nod on this thing, one of the reasons is they were even cheaper than Mexico. Yeah. I mean, China probably has hurt Mexico. Yeah. I, I got I think it. Probably things that were being made in Mexico started being made in China. A lot of Mexicans wound up being unemployed just like Americans did. Well, I read something that, uh, you know, NAFTA, we know how much NAFTA has hurt the United States. Yeah. You know, the workers anyway. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people at uh, years ago were like, you know, those dirty, rotten Mexicans, you know, we're hurting because they're doing good, but they have never been doing good under NAFTA either. NAFTA didn't yeah. do the United States, Mexico, or Canadian workers any good. It hurt all of us. Now, you got to wonder about a deal between, between three nations that hurts all three nations. You know, because usually, hey, well, you know, okay, fine, maybe it'll hurt two of them and one will go, ha ha, I got over on them. But yeah. no, everybody lost on this deal, this NAFTA thing. And then the you know the WTO, which you know GATT created, same thing on a global thing. And again, China's in trouble, the United States is in trouble, everybody's in trouble again. Everybody's losing. You look through the whole thing. All the banks everywhere are losing. All the stock markets everywhere are losing. Everything everywhere is losing. How can that be? Where is the balance? I, I was always. You know, if somebody well, wins, when you somebody say loses. everyone is when you say everyone is losing, I doubt that that's the truth. Okay. It's only about ninety nine percent. That's right. Losing. Okay, yeah. Well, right. I like to know somebody's, who that one percent is. Somebody's getting fat off this deal, and I'm willing to bet if you said oligarchy, you'd be pretty close to naming yeah. the special interest people that already had more money than they could spend, uh, used it to bribe congressmen, senators. Uh, politicians in all three nations to pass a law that ultimately put all of their people deeper into poverty and allowed people in positions of power to become even wealthier. Yeah, and that that is the dark ages. You know, that's exactly the way things ran during that time. I understand. You know, and what you know, you know, we look at it in history and go, well, you know, when Rome fell. That's when this all happened, but that's not exactly true, because see, Rome was in decline for quite a while. They weren't able to do the things they were able to do, say, two hundred years before. They were they were declining, 
And things were getting so worse. They held it together for six centuries, sure. if I understand correctly. Sure. And then, and they, uh, you know, but things were getting worse and worse. And then when they fell, boom, that was it. Yeah. You know, and I really got. You know, the one of the big surprises is one of the big surprises to me, at least, is when a nation that has been essentially ruling the world or been predominant power in the world. When it goes down, it doesn't get up. Rome went down, it never really recovered. All right? Not so far, anyway. You could say, I don't know, uh, England, another example. They were running the world for a while there. The world's only superpower, they went down and they're not coming back up. Uh, that's not happening. Germany came up, I guess you could say Germany came back. Um, after being divided for 50 years, but they did come back. I don't know if they have the, I won't argue they have the same kind of power they had under Hitler exactly, but they made a recovery. But it seems like once a nation, Italy, Italy was, you know, there is something about once you've been the, the superpower, I think it, I don't know, I wonder, do you think it puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth? They just ah, no more of that, uh-uh. Whatever it is, we'll live we'll live in a second rate nation, but we don't want any any more of the superpower nonsense. I don't want to be in charge. Yeah, that might uh, it might be it may be a cultural growing point where you know I mean yeah you because know, as a kid I remember as a kid I'd do all kinds of things until something went terribly wrong. <laughs> and, and, you mean somebody called the cops? <laughs> oh my God, something's gone terribly wrong. I think one of the neighbors called the cops. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you learn. Well, I don't think I'll be doing that again. You know, and and I maybe don't think you're going to be doing it again either. But <laughs> yeah, but maybe maybe it's the same thing with you know nations growing up to where hey. Okay, good. We got to rule the world for a while, and it didn't work out, and it really hurt to fall. And uh, let's not do that again. Yeah, I know. Let's just cruise along and live our lives. And 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 it's true. Greece kind of mind their own business. Yeah, Greece never came back. Rome never came back. Yeah, I know. You know, all these great empires. Oh, you can point Persia, to others. I don't Persia, know. Babylon. Yeah, I guess that would be Persia. Uh, you know, different. They've the Assyrians. Uh, yeah, they never, none of them ever came back. It's like, well, yeah. okay. And you would think shot. that if you knock them down, all right, you knock them down, but they'd be able to regroup. It might take a generation or so, but they have the right culture and whatever. And for whatever reason, they never seem to really put those pieces back together again. Well, and I don't know that much about the other empires, but the Roman Empire, I, I, I read <laughs> a lot about it because it's interesting, and it has a lot of uh, a lot of parallels to... Western society and the United States in particular. And uh, the thing is, you know, they had a, when you say, well, they had the right culture. Well, they had the right culture at one time to become the empire. But That's by right. the time they were falling, their culture was garbage. The Roman culture, by the time it fell, was just mm -hmm. a corrupt, vile, you know, group of self-centered deviants, you know, 
And and they also, you know, there's a lot of parallels, too, if people care to read some details about Rome. They also had nothing but foreign workers because manual labor became, you know, Romans became too good for that. I understand that. You know? And what does that mean? What does that mean when we say they have foreign workers? Well, they had people cleaning their houses, tending their no, crops. What I'm getting you know. to, we had people of a different race. We had people of a different culture. Yeah. And you I, bring enough of them in, and all of a sudden you find out you don't have your culture anymore. Yeah. You know, if you're not willing to do your own work to some degree, then whatever culture was there, you just we need somebody else to uh, do our work for us. That's just to me. That's that's a terrible sign. It is. You can't do it. You're not willing to clean your own septic tank. Yeah, it's dirty work, but so what? You're the one that filled it up. Why aren't you willing to clean it? Think you can just get away with hiring some Mexican to do it? Yeah, yeah, they do. And point where yeah, I know it's it's human nature. There's no question about it. But you know, and the same thing with the with the Roman legions. They were mostly conscripted foreigners by the time they fell. There was no loyalty there. This is why it just was like, oh, the barbarians are coming over the gate. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I'm not going to stand and fight for Rome. I'm not Uh Roman. Why would I? You know, hey, I'm here for a paycheck, and it looks to me like that's pretty much done. So, see ya. Well, it's the same thing now in this country. We have the same kind of military. We have we have a mer- we have a, a military that's composed of mercenaries right now. Yep, nobody's drafted. We don't have to do our own fighting in this country anymore. We'll just hire some people who like to fight or willing to fight or don't have anything else to do. Uh-huh. And they may be mostly Americans. I get that. I never. I, I was drafted when I was a kid. I didn't like the draft. I'm not in favor of it. But nevertheless, you got to have a military that represents the people. That's composed of the average people, and that's. Something like a draft. Yeah, I am for the draft. It's at least the idea, we only have a war, we only need military when we have a legitimate war with somebody else. Not to go out and engage in little police actions and say, well, let's go screw around in that country. And we haven't invaded, uh, you know, Dominican Republic for a while. Let's, Let's knock them off and then we can invade right. Don't do that with your own people. Well, you, you, do don't do do with with you don't do you it with do a draft. You don't do it with a draft. That's part of it, too. But you, if we, my point is, if we didn't have the draft and we didn't have mercenaries, we'd only have an army that was there when we faced legitimate problems. Now, that's a difficult thing now because the way the world is, you don't have time to say, hey, listen, we got problems. We want people to stand up and fight for their country and meet me down here on Monday morning, you know. Nine o'clock, we'll all start training. Well, that's too late. You know, the thing is, though, uh, armies are armies. And, and, you know, the the founding fathers were not stupid because they understood how things work. And they they said, look, no standing army. But they did maintain a Navy. And the Navy has Marines and they have airplanes. And they, they can hold off anything that we need held off long enough to put an army together. I mean, you know, who's that's gonna probably really, who's going to really sneak up on us? Is somebody really going to sneak up on us? I think that's a good point. I agree. It would be entirely possible, given that we have Polaris submarines, 
firing Poseidon missiles and whatever. We can keep, we, in theory, we could keep our entire military could be in the Navy offshore, and it would be sufficient to protect us from just about everything. Why would we need a standing army, which ultimately threatens us, threatens the people of this country. If it's standing in this country, it threatens wherever it's standing. Yeah. I mean, the Navy could be the defense. Well, that was the that was the original idea, because they figured, look, we've got a Navy. If somebody's going to attack us, it's probably going to be from the oceans. And, uh, hey, we can hold them off long enough to put an army together. Well, even if it wasn't from the ocean, in the sense that they were going to attack us with intercontinental ballistic missiles right now. Right? Those missiles can be defended against with uh, the Navy. Sure, and what good's an army going to do against those anyway? They're just a target. No, that's right. You know, I mean, at that point. And the thing is, so, okay, so, uh uh-oh, we're catching wind that China's putting together, you know, something, and they're going to float over here in, I don't know, Costco cargo ships they're not using to come and attack us. Well, I'm pretty sure the Navy could hold them (laughs) off long enough for us to put an army together. We don't even need an army. You got enough people armed in this country. If they have any brains, they'll shoot anybody trying to come in here. Well, there. I mean, the Japanese too, yeah. made the point years ago. They said, "If we ain't going into the United States," or one of the Japanese generals said, "All those people are armed. For God's sake, they'd be knocking yeah. us off like we ain't going to invade the United States." You know, and and we've seen that in places. I mean, really, people need to just you know extend their imagination just a little bit. Look at places like. Afghanistan, for one. Well, look at places like Oregon, for one, with what's going on with the Hammonds and uh, Eamon Bundy and the people up there that have seized that, that federal facility. Last week we talked about this, and we, I was skeptical of the idea. I thought, I thought their tactics were poor seizing that place. They'd lost a moral high ground and the rest of that sort of thing. But here's an article from the Associated Press, and it says ranchers' cause, not not tactics, gain support in GOP circles. We've had people from Idaho come down there to help defend the uh, help defend the facility and try to prevent another Waco Waco style event. Um, and here we have an article from the Associated Press say that they're the Eamon Bundy and his folks are gaining support from the Republican Party. Republicans have widely condemned the armed standoff by a group of ranchers to reclaim reclaim federal land in eastern Oregon, but their goal of taking back some of Washington's vast holdings in the West has gained traction in the GOP. So it turns out that Eamon Bundy, much to my surprise, I expected the government just pull in, not with tanks, but I expected them to come in and cause a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Turns out Eamon Bundy is actually succeeding in attracting Nation national attention to the idea that the the federal government shouldn't own the land west of Mississippi. Well, and and that's a good point. And you know, and it's happening with firearms, right? Amos said we're armed, mm-hmm. we're ready to go, we're ready to make that sacrifice. And I thought that was, I thought that was a bad choice a week ago. But it looks like it's working for him. And I bring that up, and you can expand on what's happening in Oregon here in just a minute. But I got an article that was in USA Today <clears throat> but on the 10th of January, all right? Just, just uh day before yesterday. 
And the headline is, Texas Armed Standoff Ends After 15 Years. I read that headline. I did not read the story because I'm like, 15 years? Yeah. (laughs) Some guy got crosswise with John Joe Gray, was arrested in 1999. Oh, God, I remember him. At a traffic stop. Gray said it was his God-given right to carry the pistol he had that day without a concealed handgun license. When the trooper tried to arrest him, Gray got into a scuffle with the officer and bit him. Well, one thing led to another, and Gray was a, he was released on bail, apparently, and promised the, uh, on the assumption that he would return to court, and instead he armed himself at home. And he's been there for 15 years. He has something like 47 acres. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't stepped off the 47 acres in 15 years. All right? But at every point, he's told them, you come out here. Here's what he said. If they come out, if they come out after us, bring extra body bags. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And this, great, this is what Gray told in ABC News in 2000. Well, he stood there on the property, armed and ready to shoot if anybody comes, and nobody's come after him for 15 years. Now, this is pretty amazing. Yeah, that is. I remember is that situation. story when it happened. Yeah. This is astonishing, and recently they dismissed the charges. In fact, they dismissed the charges about a year ago. They dropped the charges about a year ago. Local sheriff didn't know the charges had been dropped. They'd been dropped by the state. I guess the state was prosecuting this thing. The state dropped the charges after 15 years, or last year at least, 14 years. Um, They didn't notify the sheriff until just in the last week or 10 days, and they didn't notify a gray (laughs) that the charges had been dropped. But... Here's the point. This guy stood up with a with a with a rifle, and he said, "You come here, and somebody's going to get killed, and not just me." Yep. All right. Now, if he can hold the government off for 15 years, and I, I know this is a small event, a, a bizarre event. It is very bizarre. But we're seeing something like that with Bundy's. Well, and when, they picked up their firearms and say, "Okay, you want to go? We'll go." If they hadn't had their firearms, I don't know what would have happened. I don't see how anything would have come out of this. But it's evidence not only that firearms worth, but that the government is very reluctant to go up against these kinds of organs, these kinds of entities, when people claim to be standing up for their rights. Well, and even if there's only a chance in five that they're right, the government says, oh, "I don't know. We don't want another damn Waco on our hands." Well, and Al, I mean, okay, you're in charge of of the the federalities or whoever, and you say, okay, guys, who wants to saddle up and go up here and uh, take these guys on? Uh, Well, some people would. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt we've got lots of people working for the federal government who'd be more than happy to go out and murder some people. Well, yeah, but they're not so quick to go out and get killed themselves. And when somebody always where everybody's everybody's more interested in killing others right. than being killed. Because right. the thing but is, when, them, when let's uh, not let them kill us. Sure, when they say, "Hey, look, we're, we've got a we got a sneak and peek or a whatever, no knock this or whatever, saddle up in your Kevlar and get your automatic weapons and go. Let's go sneak up on these people and throw grenades on them and arrest them." Sure, everybody wants to sign up and get on board for that. But when you you go, what you mean? What you mean that guy up there that? has said they're armed 
You mean them? You, know you want the us to go up there? No telling what they've set up on the terrain. They may have bombs or mines or something set up, and we're going to go raid those people because of what? Yeah, because they do. Yeah, let's rethink this. You know, I mean, because... Yeah, let's think about this for a minute. Wait a second. The fact is, if they if they decide, well, okay, that's it. We're going to go after everybody who decides to do this. They're going to run out of people pretty quick. They're going to run out of people They're gonna long run out before of we do. consent to their authority pretty quick. The truth is the government can't deal. The government cannot engage in a widespread shootout with the American people. It's just like the law, okay? Most, There's not enough of them. Most every, they'll be killed. They'll most, be killed. Most. They'll be killed, and they will. And they are outnumbered so badly. The only way they can do this is if they can disarm the American people in the first place. If they can persuade and sweet talk and con the American people into giving up their firearms, then they can come kill us anytime we get up at it. In other words, as long as we've got guns and we're buying more of them, and who are we buying them for? We aren't buying them to go duck hunting. No, I mean, everyone who works for the government has to be astonished, amazed, and frightened by the by the number of handguns and firearms, rifles, and whatever that have been sold since Obama took office. Yeah, every time he opens his mouth, the sales skyrocket. And yeah, you and know, who are they intended for? Well, they are intended for government. Sure, because he's the one. He's the one. Every time he, he's not going well, you know, we've got a duck shortage, so everybody better get your guns and get out there and shoot as many ducks as you can while you can, because we're banning ducks uh, here pretty soon. Uh-uh, that isn't it. But no, nope. it's like the law, though. They depend on the people volunteering. That's right. And if the people decide no, we're not doing it. You know, they have a and real a lot problem. Of people, a lot of people. You know, you and I talk about this sort of thing on the program. And we have a vague sense of how many people are out there who might be, they'll at least talk about it. You know, defending this country against the government with firearms. They'll at least talk about it. Whether they do it or not is another story. But the government knows those numbers way better than you and I do. And those numbers may be a lot larger than you and I suspect. Well, I was going to mention that what uh, what's going on up at that ranch, you couldn't, I'm, I'm not sure you could find a more sympathetic state to do this in. Because here in Oregon, people still have a real sore spot for the BLM and the U.S. Forest Service. Yeah. Because those are the two agencies that literally killed the logging and lumber industry in Oregon. Yeah. And that was basically the main livable wage, blue-collar jobs we had in this state. And they took them all away. They destroyed that industry. And then they decided, well, and now that we uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna fence up, we're gonna gate all the logging roads through the forests. We're gonna put berms. We're gonna not maintain maintain them. Now they're they're overgrown for ten and fifteen years. You can't even pass through them if you you know unless you had a bulldozer, you couldn't get through these logging roads anymore. And this is what they did. So people in this state 
you know, whether you got a gun or you're a rancher or whatever it is, you start talking about them damn BLM people, and you're going to get a lot of heads <laughs> nodding. Yep, that's right, those sons of guns. You know, <laughs> you know. So this is a sympathetic state for this to happen in. Well, I think that's a wonderful lesson for the government in particular. You start pushing people around, they don't forget it. Yeah. You know, I went, when we hitchhiked down to Mexico first time, I went down there back 1964. First time I hitchhiked down to Mexico. We got a ride from a couple of guys. <laughs> uh, they, and, they, and we're sitting there in the back seat, and these two guys are in the front seat. One of them starts talking to us about the war. <laughs> and I, And I said, and I listened to him, and I couldn't understand what he was talking about. And I finally said, what war are you talking about? Are you talking about World War II or the Korean War or what? He said, well, the war, boy, the Civil War. <laughs> All right? And I was thinking to myself, I thought that thing was over. <laughs> I thought that thing ended 100 years ago. Not for but some no, people. no, it had no. not. And the point I'm making is there's people who are going to carry a grudge about what the BLM has done for generations. And it's true. They may carry it for the balance of their lifetime, and it's something that the BLM, in retrospect, they may regret having pushed these people around and said, oh, my God, these people never forget. We just, just tried to cost them their jobs. You know, uh, why don't they just, you know, lighten up? No, they're still going to carry a grudge. Well, and it's passed on to the kids, too, because, you know, now the kids are 18 years old, and they realize they don't have any good jobs because, you see, now the guys who were the the adults, you know, raising families who were working at the mill making a livable wage are now taking those minimum wage jobs those kids would have had, yeah. but now they don't. So now they're sucking wind, and they can't even go to the movies or buy a car or pay their insurance or anything. So, you know, and, and their parents, I guarantee, are telling them why. Well, you know, we used to have jobs around here, but that damn BLM, you know, and that gets in these kids' heads, that damn BLM, right? Okay. Yeah. And and it just gets passed on. And, mm-hmm. and it, with good reason. They deserve I think so too. every bit of, of just hatred that they that is put their way because that agency was, they acted way wrong. And U.S. Forestry, too, both of them. They both just are, are, and I notice forestry is nowhere to be heard of any of this. It's like, da, 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 da. don't mention our name. It's all the BLM. Just, you know, let them take the heat. You know, I think we've got a caller. Oh, my gosh, a caller. Yep. What will they think of next? They've got a telephone system at the radio program? Yeah, yeah. Every, we do? Everything fancy. All right. Well, let's see who the caller is. And modern. Go ahead, caller. You do have a caller. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, calling to disrupt your broadcast again because when two sharp legal minds are together, I'm, I'm raring to pick your minds. But a little less boring subject matter, but can I ask a, a legal question? If it's, we wouldn't want you to ask an illegal question. I don't- 